podcast in the world. From WWE to DNA Impact. By way of the NWA, it's time for Reffin' It Up. With legendary referee Brian Hebner and guest host, Mr. Reffin' Rant himself, Jimmy Corderas. An all-new episode starts in... This, this is Reffin' It Up. Welcome back to Reffing It Up. I am RJ, and this week we celebrate the 57th birthday for the one, the only, Mr. Mike Kyoto. Head over and follow us across all your social medias at Reffing It Up. Follow Jimmy, follow Brian on all their social medias as well. The links are in the show notes. Also head over to castby.com slash Reffing It Up and subscribe Wherever you're hearing this podcast, tell your friends, tell your family. Also, big shout out to J.D. Hoop, who does amazing graphics for this show. Also, A.J. McKay, who is the voice behind the voices of this show. So thank you all for listening this week. And we'll see you right here next week on Reffing It Up. It's summer. You know what that means. It's bonfire season. And thanks for our great sponsors today, City Bonfires. They're making your job a heck of a lot easier and everybody around you very, very happy. Head over to citybonfires.com right now and use the promo code REFIN to get 15% off your entire order. These bonfires can be used on camping trips, whether you're in an apartment, whether you're in the country, and you just want to have some peacefulness. City Bonfires helps you out. Their burn time lasts between three to five hours. It's light, reusable, and easy to extinguish. There's no mess, no flying embers, no ashes to clean up, and there's no smoke. So you're not going to be taking all of that smoke into your home. So head over and check out their great products right now over at citybonfires.com and use the promo code REFIN, that's R-E-F-I-N, to get 15% off your entire order. Thanks to our great friends over at City Bonfires. This is Refn Review. Everybody's favorite segment, and we have a special guest this week, gentlemen. For the first time in 20 years, we have Jimmy Corderas, Brian Hebner, and Coyote himself, Mike Kyoda, for the first time in 20 years, are on the same wavelength, in the same place at the same time. Mike, welcome to the show, man. Man, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it, RJ. Brian and Jimmy K, man, thanks for having me on the show, brother. It's, it's great to be on, and man, let's rock and roll this show, man. Man, this is this is bringing back some memories, some sure um, th- flashbacks of some car rides with the... <laughs> with the 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 chimmel that's right <laughs> the know, chimmel like, my goodness so yeah but refereeing with, with us three what we've accomplished in the wwe it's like we're like the three fucking musketeers right right now i so. hear you bro absolutely yoda what's up buddy thank you so much for joining bud i was man, very no, excited about this. man thanks for having me brian no problem man no problem it's great seeing you like six months ago too at the end yeah, yeah so man. Awesome, awesome seeing you man so uh record review this week so we're gonna basically we're gonna ignore this week's events, which 
is really still hard to do because uh, there's so many fucking things that go on. Right. Uh, but I'm going to take this platform when, with, with, in my opinion, two legends. And I want to sit here and talk and debate about today's oh, refing, today's maybe lack of refing. I want to get views and opinions from both you guys on where the state of this refing part of the shows is done. So I want to open up with you, Mike, since you are the the guest, and would just like for you to maybe just enlighten everyone where your views and opinions are on today's refing styles or whatever it may be you want to mention. And I'll open the floor to you. Man, that's that's a that's a fantastic question, Brian, because um I've noticed the quantity of the referees are there and available in the WWE, but the quality is not. I mean, if it's not for Charles Robinson, Chad Patton hold down the fort, uh, you know, with many years of experience and a few other referees as far as, you know, Dan Angler and so many other guys, but um, there's, you know, the quality of the referees is is definitely down. I think they're just uh, they're bringing up talent too quick and too short of time, like from the the PC center to the main roster. Um, they're trying too hard, too fast, too quick, just to generally have these referees really learn. I mean, to really become a good referee, man, it takes time and it takes a lot of experience, a lot of matches. You know, you got to get thrown out to the wolves. And I don't see a lot of these young referees that are being pulled up making these main events and making certain other title matches or, you know, quality matches that are put on the board for WWE. Um, AEW, uh, you know, they need some work. I, I really think that sometimes with the social media and everything that's out there, it's it's more about look at me and who am I, you know, instead of worrying about the quality of work that they're doing. I just think they're, um, it's the more out, like Chief J. Strombo, I remember, Buck and Jack Lons of Chief J were the agents, and I was just, I wasn't even on TV yet. Probably about 88, 87, 88. And I come back, I start, you know, slapping some fans' hands down the aisle and stuff like that. And who do I got waiting for me at the end of the fucking, at the uh, aisle at the um, gorilla position? And it was a <laughs> house show. It was fucking Chief and Jack Lonza, right? And then they look at me and they go, Are you in fucking business for yourself? Are you trying to, or, or what are you doing? What, what are you doing out there? I said, oh, would the match not go right, Chief? It was a fuck finish, too. It was a fuck oh, finish. Bro. I didn't see mm-hmm. the tights and all that. And then I'm slapping hands on the fucking way back and everything. <laughs> ever, ever since that day, ever since that day, I was never in business for myself. You know, like, I knew what he was, and he and had this long, drawn-out conversation for like 15, 20 minutes, him and Jack, going, don't ever fucking slap hands back on a fuck finish. You know, the, who the fuck are you? You just come back with the fucking heel and you get your ass back here because we don't want the heat put on you, you know, and you're out there glorifying yourself on a fuck finish, you know, and ever since that day, I fucking learned because it was it was old school. It was Chief, Jack Lanza, they were on me. And, um, you know, I just think these referees are more, you know, they, they oversell themselves too much. They sell in the ring on every little bump. Yeah, of course, we all sold bumps in big spots or whether it was Shane coming off the fucking cage or this one, you know, you know, crazy ladder matches with the Hardys and all the other shit. 
because I mean, when you see in a spot like that, that was your fucking natural reaction. Right. But it's like every bump I see in the ring now, everybody's jumping and going, oh, whoa, whoa. You know, like. Not to cut you off, Mikey. No, what's your take, Jimmy? No, 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 not my take. Just what you're saying is spot on because, uh, you know, when natural reactions to big bumps, and that's what it's about. Uh, You know, referees nowadays, you see them selling. Like if there's a big punch thrown, they're grabbing their chin like they got punched. Like they got punched and, and hurt. Right, yeah. right. And and if you watch back in the day, when you see two guys come to the middle of the ring and do a face-off, you don't want to yeah. see this in the middle of it. No. You no. back off. You can be on the side a little bit out of the picture. Right. You don't want this big head in the middle. And no. the one thing you said, too, they're trying to get themselves over. Right. It's like I was taught back in the day, like you were by guys like Chief. Of course you were. Right. How many people bought a ticket to see you tonight? Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? And here's our biggest thing, Jimmy. How many how many tickets do we comp and how many tickets do we sell as referees? Yeah, we always exactly. Don't. Anybody referees who came don't to fucking see, sell yeah. tickets, right? That's what it, that's 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 what Jack said. Anybody who came to see you, you got a ticket for. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And Jack you know, was a shooter. Lonzo was a shooter. So was Jeep, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think, you know, and Kyoto, me and you both talked about this when we were in Chicago. Um, right. Where Where's this discipline that we used to have? Where's the discipline where somebody would walk up to you or myself or Jimmy going like, here's a perfect example. I go to my first overseas tour mm-hmm. with WWE in the UK. Right. I go out the little side curtain to take a look because I'm excited and all that. All of a sudden, I see fans that recognize me, and I'm like all fucking big-headed and thinking I'm some shit, and I ain't nothing. But I'm over there, and I go over there, and I shake their hands and give their autographs. Well, who's looking through the curtain to see what kind of crowd's there? The fucking Undertaker. Oh, shit. (laughs) Taker. (laughs) So I walk back, and he basically, in a nutshell, without going crazy, Told me I was a fucking idiot. Get myself fucking backstage and shut the fuck up, basically. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and you know what? He's told me that quite like that, you know, that, that, that ain't there anymore. There's nobody there to reprimand these guys. And I think that, like, there's nobody that says, hey, dude, stop selling so much. Or, hey, your, your, your cues are the shits. Or, right. hey, your false finishes are fucking horrible. I'm, I know when the finish is because you're selling it, like, only for the finish. Like, it's just... <laughs> That, those days where we have to be reprimanded are gone. Who's doing no. it anymore? And, and that's what I don't understand with AEW. You know, I know they're doing it WWE. I know they're tightening down. You know, they, they, you know, the WWE cares about the wrestlers. I, I and I know they care about the referees and important matches and everything else and and their show. Referees are so important in one way to them, but not in another way. Now AEW. Now, you know, there's a lot of freaking old school talent down there and old school agents, producers, uh, you want to call them, uh, you know, that to me, it's like, you know, Dean Malenko, Arn Anderson, God bless Arn Anderson with, with his recent tragedy and his family. I want to put that out there um, to him and his family. My condolences to Arn and his family with his son. God bless. I know what he's going through. Um but you have Arn Anderson, you have Tully Blanchard, you have Dean Malenko, you have a ton of agents down there that are just, and they're old school and they know. Oh. And I don't know, I don't know how they're not putting more heat on these referees. You know, like, yeah, when I went down to AEW, I think maybe one one guy asked me, 
one referee asked me to watch his matches and you know kind of critique it and stuff. Was it Scott Turner? Uh, yes, it was from Pennsylvania. Exactly. Paul Turner. Yep. Paul Turner. Paul Turner. Paul Turner. Paul Turner. I'm sorry, Paul Turner. That's it. I Scott Paul. Yep, it was Paul Turner, and he's a very good referee, very nice guy, and they were all very nice. Don't get me wrong. You know, they were all respectful and you know, and everything. Everybody was. But I, I think it was just uh, just him that asked me, you know, when I was down there quite a few times to look at his matches. And I, and I did. And I did, you know, but, you know, I wasn't going to go look at their matches for the short periods I was down there here and there and then tell them, you know, because maybe I didn't I didn't think they really wanted my input. If they wanted my input, all they had to do is ask like a lot of other people do, you know, in the business. So, um, you know, it, to me, it's just I, there is there's got to be some more of um you know, you're not in business for your fucking self. And I don't care. I don't want to see referees wearing watches, fucking earrings or or anything like that. And it's not a personal shout out to nobody. It's not a personal vendetta against any referees. But, you know, there should be no fucking wearing chains or anything, you know. And a referee, you know, um, should be a clean cut guy. If you're if you're a man, of course, you're a woman, whether you're putting your hair up or whatever. I understand that totally. That's ponytail or whatever it is that's fine but a man should be clean cut and just you know facial hair no facial hair and you should be you know just you, you call the matches down the fucking center i see some referees i've been on the indies that, that look like fucking talent they got tattoos on their arms and, their <laughs> and they and they look like fucking a wrestler you know and i'm like that oh, stuff like, that stuff wouldn't fly in the wwe but it wouldn't fly sure. in the wwe you know, right and you, it's funny you mentioned something because you know uh, I ended up with the goatee as the right. only guy to basically with facial hair back in the right. day. But that was right. because um, I went to JR and I, this was when I was getting married. Right. And, you know, wanted the goatee for the wedding. Right. So I went to JR and I told him and he went and talked to Vince. And Vince says, you grow that goatee the day you shave it off is the last time you have it on. Oh, no so shit. that's why throughout the rest of my career there, I had the goatee because I knew right. once I took it off. Yeah, I mean, you and Tim White were the only one that really had facial yes. hair, right? That was it. You and Tim yeah. White, mm -hmm. that's it. And well, and, you, I, know. you know, and and, and I'll, I'll say this: you know, the thing is, I think it all goes back to to Jimmy Kyoto. Y'all remember? You remember how many hours we spent in an arena at the ring going over our shit? Oh yes, mm -hmm. yes. Those days are gone, man. They're gone. No, yeah, they're gone. I, I've I mean, been to AEW. I've been to yeah. AEW. I watched the right. shit go on. Right. And, and, and guess what? They were too busy doing other things. Listen, these 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 referees at AEW, they, I think some of them like book flights for the guys. Mm -hmm. um, they do. I Bryce think, does that. Yeah, Bryce yeah. does that. Yeah. I think the girl. Uh, um, she does dot com stuff and yeah, office yeah, yeah. work. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, All they have the other things they're doing. Yeah. Maybe that's the problem, man. I mean, you know what I, I mean? Don't, I don't think it's the problem because, I mean, they're basically, I just don't, you know, you guys know as well, experienced referees, right? Um, You know as well when a, a certain spot is going to bury the referee, you know, you always got to put your input. You know, I don't know if these guys have that many years of experience or that much respect to put their input in, but, you know, Either an agent could tone down, um, you know, uh, some high spots where they're not just sitting in there for 20 to 30 seconds while everybody's running around doing high spots and everything like that. I mean, but you, as a referee, and I know a lot of the talent 
uh, the former FDR. What do they call now? Um, the tag team. FTR. FTR. Revival. Revival. Um, so I mean, those guys and so many other guys were like, "Oh my God, Kyoto! I can't! Oh my God, love! I hope you get signed, man. We need a referee that fucking needs to know where the heat belongs, not on the referee on the fucking heels." And Tully Blanchard was saying this, and everybody else was putting their inputs. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I didn't get signed. So, I mean, you know, it was just a, uh, hey, you know, we'll use you and come back every once in a while, whatever. Sure, no problem. Um, you and, tell you, Kyoto, you want me to tell you why you're not there? Why is that? On a full-time level? Because they're intimidated. They don't want your input. You know why they don't mm-hmm. want your input? Because they think that they know it all. That's the mm-hmm. problem with today's right. younger, upcoming yeah. crop of referees or mm-hmm. lack thereof. They right. don't want they don't want the input. And believe me, I've tried. I have. And right. I know you've tried. Right. I'm not going to beg you shit. I'm not right. begging you to get information. If you don't want the fucking information, then keep doing your terrible shit you're doing now to embarrass what we've all built. Right. You know and we mean? and we have built it. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. you know, it's just, uh, you know, so I, I, I mean, there's ways that you can, you can, as a referee, and if you're an experienced referee, you could protect yourself. You can protect yourself. When they're going over the fucking match four hours before showtime, you could protect yourself in the meeting with the, you know, standing out there for hours. But that's yep. the thing. Like, like you said, Michael, the, the problem is nowadays it feels to me, with, <clears throat> I'm not picking on one company in particular, but right. there seems right. to be one company in particular where the referees almost like enjoy getting the heat put on them. Right. And the referee, as you guys know, I don't have to preach to you guys, but I'm preaching to those who are listening to our podcast right now, that the referee's job is to help the talent tell their story without being the story, unless there's a spot there that involves you, like a heat spot or something like that. It is not about you. No, it's not. And then it's exactly, you're exactly right, Jimmy. I mean, there was so many times, just like I, I iterated with coming back after a fuck finish and getting heat with, you know, I was always taught when a fucking heel goes over, pulls the tights or anything goes over f- feet on the rope, you raise his hand on the outside real quick and you start walking back with the heel and you get at it. You get at a dodge because you don't even want the baby face going. You didn't see that. You didn't see that, you know, in front of the crowd, because then it starts to put the heat back onto the referee instead of letting that heel walk out with the with the victory and the heat. You know, um, to me, it was always stupid, you know, over the years. It'd be a fuck finish and a screwdriver, and then they'd play the fucking baby faces music on the way out. Well, you just didn't even leave that arena with the heat. You left him <laughs> happy and fucking clapping to the baby face leaving the arena. Like, like what about the sixteen thousand people in in the arena? Forget what's on right. TV. I get it. We got our story over on TV, but let's leave that shit still with the sixteen thousand people. But it was always about making the crowd happy. We used to do that, where no music at the end. The fuck finished, and you would leave with quietness and the heat, you know, right. to the people in their minds. But uh, it has changed. And I, and I'm going Kyoto. I'm I'm going to go with you on this because I've actually touched on this before in previous podcasts. Right. I really believe you're right, man. I really believe the lack of experience is where this intimidation factor is. What I like to call it right. comes into play, where you see it, you 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 hear it, but they don't protect it because they're scared to say it or scared to take up for themselves. And that's something that I know I've seen you do. I know I've seen you, Corderas, do. Right. I, I just know that 
it, it, it's it's just a fundamental breakdown where it, it's just them either a not caring b not afraid or afraid to show up and say you know i'm gonna pull my pants up and say this is not gonna work or how is this gonna work because right, right. now it looks like it's gonna bury me you right. know what i mean and, and there's yeah, a lot of and, things and like sorry to cut you off mike no, yeah, it's okay. like you said no it's like you said we used to get with the talent and not just go hey what's the finish Right. Okay. Thanks right. a lot. Whatever. Right. You'd sit there. You'd listen to them go over the match. You'd you'd, you'd get oh, they'd go over a spot and you'd kind of interject and say, hey, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you don't mind me asking, what do you want me doing during this particular right. sequence? Right. Um, and if they if it sounded like that they were doing a little too much, uh, is there any way you can tighten that up a little bit because I don't want to look like I'm just standing there with my thumb up my ass. My ass. Right. And you're yeah. fucking exactly like you know, Jimmy. <laughs> like there's things like I was telling, you know when. When you there's a heat spot, and there's a tag team. The guy's, you know, gonna knee the guy in the back of the ropes while he hits the ropes, right? Well, I want him on the other side of the pole, not the yeah. closest side of the pole, not the one side of the pole to where he all he has to do is move over one step and fucking knee him in the back and go right back to the corner. I want him on the other side of the pole because that felt like a wall to me. So, and if if I had my back turned and a guy in the, in the heel on the tag team came around that pole, then need him in the back. And then got right back around to the other side of the pole where he was at. And then you look at him and you go, holy fuck. It, it makes it like just to create a wall. It looks like such a distance. But guys will do something to somebody and just stand right there and expect the referee not to believe that he did something. You know, it's a he, certain he ways. He used to be sneaky. Yes, yeah, sneaky. They, they used to outsmart the yes. referee as opposed to make him look like the, you know, wearing this dark glasses and tap. You know what right. I mean? Like as a heel, loses loses if you must, but by all means, cheat. You know yes. what I'm saying? Exactly. And, and I love when Eric, Eddie Guerrero used to say that. You know, oh. like uh, he used to say that all the time. And uh, you know, he was the best at cheating. You know, he was phenomenal. Yes, so, you um, know, and another thing, Kyoto, you know, and and maybe you agree, maybe you're not. And Jimmy used to as well. Uh, like, the style of professional wrestling has changed dramatically. Yes. Yes. And this is why I feel like it's more important now for a referee to actually really work hard to figure out their match because there's fuckers flying all over the place. And flying all over the over the top ropes, through the oh. rope, over. Like, you know, and you know, he used to hate that as much. And God bless him, Pat Patterson. He'd be like, Why can't the fucking talent stay in a ring? What the fuck? Mm -hmm. You know, he, he'd be like, I need the talent to stay in a ring, have a good fucking match, <laughs> notice flying and eyeing. <laughs> And then they get back up two minutes later and they just fucking run around like they didn't sell anything from the big fucking bump and spot outside, mm -hmm. you know. Like, mm -hmm. But Pat yeah. always knew, man. Pat knew, you know, and he knew how a heel should get heat, you know, and how a baby, say, baby face should sell too. Um, it's just so important, you know. I mean, there's so many ways you could work with. And this is what I'm saying. Like, not only a referee should be trained, but a referee can help a good referee and experienced referee can help the talent work with the referee. Cause a lot of talent doesn't know how to work with the referee to get heat. Mm -hmm. They really don't. Yep. Like, I only tell the referee, I, we got to get the talent to be on the same page. Cause I need the talent to know what the fuck to do and how to put the heat on themselves and putting the heat on you, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and, and I'll say this, uh, you know, us three for all you listeners aren't trying to bury today's talent. No, no. As far as no. referees. We're trying to help and make this better for everyone. Right, and exactly. it, it, it's, it's because it's bad because I've been reached out by other people. And it was even on Twitter when after, you know, Kyoto was announced to be coming on the show. 
I had wrestlers retweeting that they couldn't wait to hear three guys that knew what they were doing because that is a lost art at this point and phase right. of the of the business. You know, we're not my- it, but it's just it's out there and it's obvious. Right. And, you know, um, even with some talent over the last few years or so many years and stuff, I always like talk to talent when I go down an account because a lot of new talent was coming in, you know, over the years. And I've always, you know, when you're counting a false finish and you're counting, you have to be on the same page. You know how many guys have their, they're laying on the mat and they got their eyes closed and they're fucking, and they're turning their head, their eyes are closed and the crowd's fucking loud. And I'm always telling this talent before the match, like you got to watch me when I count on these false finishes because every referee has a different cadence. Right. And I'll pick up and I'll pick up the fucking speed sometimes if it's a schoolboy or a fucking roll up. Absolutely. You know, and I'll pick up the speed on some false finishes coming down towards the end. Don't make everything a fucking two count from the beginning because your false finishes aren't going to make any difference. If you're pinning a guy at two in the 30 seconds of a match on the clothesline, you know, let let wear that guy down. Wear the talent down before you get to a two count. Mm-hmm. You don't always have to kick out at one, two, kick out in the beginning. You know, make it a one count. Then you gradually get into your two counts on your false finishes sometimes. Make just make sure more. you, you know, just make it mean more. Make it, you know, like build it, build the drama up to where you're wearing out now. You're 15, 20 minutes into the fucking match. Now you're barely kicking the fuck out. Yep. Um, and I always used to tell a talent to kick every time I'm like, you ready? If it was a big false finish, get ready. And I'm talking one, two, and I'm like, kick, whether it was seen or anybody, you know, like, cause right. you, you know, you, and a lot, half the times you didn't know if the boys' heads are fucking, you know, concussed or their <laughs> bells wrong and shit like that. So you want to be on the same page. Cause if you're not, they're going to fucking make you look bad if you're counting on a false finish and they don't move their shoulders. You know what I'm saying? But here, here's the other thing, Mikey, too. Not only that, but you have to be where they can see you. Right. And, right. and what was Vince's big thing all the time? Head to Position head. Position yourself where you Position. can see both shoulders. Yeah, Kevin always and bitched one, about that. <laughs> yes. No, because sometimes sometimes you'd have to block a camera in order to shot. get yourself around. Your ass but was that's in why, That's why there's three handhelds at ringside, two Right. Cam- there's cameras everywhere they can get the shot and that's what i, I used remember to say. yeah it's like i got i got in tr- I, I got one time i did a false finish where i slid out of the ring because they were parallel with the ropes right and i counted on the apron one right, two right. kick out and i got back in i get back to gorilla and vince pulls the glasses down and he yeah. gives me the old come here he says why'd you slide out of the ring on that on that count i said well vince i couldn't see both shoulders and if if I would have counted from inside the ring, then the talent wouldn't be able to see me counting. Right answer. All right, then. That's all I said. He said, no, all right, then. Push the glasses back up and he just threw it. And I said, and then Briscoe looks at me and goes, <laughs> you know, the thumbs That's up. That's it. Yep, yep. I mean, it's yeah. exactly it. Positioning was everything Kevin done with bitch. And then I'd say, well, fucking let Marty Miller and fucking Rico get a better shot then. Let the, tell them to be on their, <laughs> on their fucking A game. <laughs> you know, hung over as they were and then fucking cameras four hours, six hours up there. But... <laughs> You know, so, K- Kyoto, so I had a I had a situation kind of like Jimmy's. It was kind of funny that uh, he mentioned that I had uh, had a match and I don't remember the match. Like, I don't remember anything. But uh, uh, I think it was The Undertaker and somebody. But anyway, um, I took this hellacious bump. It was fucking awesome. I was really proud of it. Right. Um, and I ended up counting kind of to the side, but not to, quite to the head. Right. Um, and 
as soon as I was done, I mean, as soon as I was done in my earpiece, it said, come back and see Vince. And I'm like, fuck. I know, right? So I walked back there and, and Jimmy, you were there because I, I, went, I remember I came to you about this because I was so upset. And, uh, and he took his headset, he slammed it on the table and he said, why the fuck weren't you at his head? And I said, well, I couldn't quite get there because I don't care. I want you by the head. If it takes you longer to get there, then get there. I and I said, well, I just took a good bump and I did. You don't get the head. You don't have a job. Yeah, right. But it's been set back on and I and, and didn't even look at me. And I walked the fuck through Gorilla and thought mm-hmm. I was done. Right. And I mean, you know, that's the shit, though, that makes a good referee a good referee. Shit right. like that. Right. You have to fail before you become any any better. You know what I'm saying? You have to fail. That's what I learned. I mean, I, I yeah, and I'm just dumbfounded. Like, and you know, even with WWE, I think it's more about okay, let's get these women up to the main roster because we want to push the women, we want to push this. And I get it, you know, I get it. Yeah, but are they ready? They may not be. Um, will it take them quite a few years? It took me quite a few years to really become an, an experienced referee. And I'm talking, it probably could have took me into the late 90s, into the 2000s to become a, and I started refereeing in 87, I want to say, and debuted on TV in 89. So, I mean, you know, before I, I'd say about the early 2000s, I was really experienced at that point, but it took me quite a few fucking years to get there. So let's not get too far ahead, okay? Real quick, because we're going to, we're going to cover you. And here's what we want to (laughs) do. We've had the longest refing review in the history of our podcast, which I fucking love because we have it with Jimmy Corderas and Mike Kyoto. Any podcast, you beat that. Suck it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So now we are going to move on and we're going to cover the career of Mike Kyoto in our second count. This is your two counts. And we're here at the second count. Mike, man, you mentioned that uh, you started with the company there, WWE in 87. First got on uh, on TV with the uh, company there in 89. One of those towards the, really in the heart of things there. You know, you had the golden age there in 85 with WrestleMania 1, 2, 3, and then obviously here in 89. Right. Man, how we, we, we talked about Andre last week. And just impacted he had. You're getting here in '89. You you got Hogan, you got Savage, you got Warrior, you got Andre. Mm, oh yeah. How coming in here? How intimidating were those guys coming in here as a referee and trying to say, "Hey, you got to control these guys," so to speak. Right. Oh, it was fucking phenomenal. It was unbelievable. Um, I started in the company in '85. I started refereeing in '87. Made my de- debut refereeing on TV in '89. Uh, Working and seeing these guys. And when I used to work the ring for Gorilla Monsoon when I was 15 and 16 in the summer times with Joey Morella and all that, and we used to work local Spectrum in Philadelphia every Monday in the summer times at Wildwood Convention Centers with Andre and so many, you know, Tony Gurria, Rick Martell, uh, Paul Roma and all these guys, Big John Stud on the card. It was fucking unbelievable. Like you see the big John Studd and Andre, and then you see these jacked up guys, and you're looking at six foot seven, seven foot guys. It was just it was fucking amazing. And wrestling wasn't always my thing. You know, I was I knew Gorilla Monsoon very well. He was a very good guy to me because I was friends with Joey Morellan and, and his sister Valerie. Um and then growing up in a business, starting there in the summer times, man, it was um it was amazing watching all them. 
And then you had Macho Man and you had the Hulk Hogan's and and the, the Ricky the Dragon Steamboats and the King Kong Bundys and all these guys. And it was just unbelievable. You had Afa and Sika and just it was just a it was a circus, but a circus that was well performed and it's very uh, into a physical business that was choreographed. I don't know how, you know, it's a hard way to explain it to tell people, you know, it's not real. I, I always hated that that um persona and the perception of that business it's not real because it's so fucking physical the business hmm. and um and just to let alone what they do in the ring let alone the traveling and all that other stuff um and then coming up you know from 85 86 87 which i wasn't a part of wrestlemania as i did some crew stuff and driving trucks to local things to drop off stuff but i wasn't really a big part of wrestlemania until four and five into new jersey so um that's where you know they had some big parts and actually I do have some old school turnbuckles from that WrestleMania four and five. I actually sold a couple. Yeah. I got I got one from six, which you you well uh, they're worth they're worth yeah. quite a bit of fucking buck, Jimmy. So <laughs> Yeah, I know. Because you know, six was here in at the Skydome in Toronto. Skydome. So you know, yeah. I had I had to have one from there. But, right. Uh, you know, you, you talk about it almost parallels because I started working for Jack Tunney when he was affiliated with WWF at the time right. up here in 85. And I started refing in February of 87. Wow. And wow. the only difference was um, Jack used to travel to TVs mm -hmm. as president of WWE. Yep. And yep. when it was it, within driving distance, he would have me drive him and Billy Red Lions. Do you remember Billy Red Lions? Oh, of course I do. Yeah. Of it, course it, I do. Drive them to the TVs. And this was at a time where uh, Chief had told me carry your ref gear with you at all times because you never know. And all times. That's when I started uh, accidentally refing on TV in Glens Falls, New York. Oh wow! You yeah, know that's in, that's in, where I, that's where the fuck I was up upstate New York with Chief mm -hmm. and them. And Chief said he's called me Dynamite Kid because I blew myself up with a fucking <laughs> hand stick of dynamite. So <laughs> and, yeah, I fucking yeah, well, where, wait, 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 where where did dynamite come from? Uh, South uh, South Carolina or North Carolina when we used to drive the trucks, we bought all kinds of fucking, you'd be able to buy firework, you know, down mm -hmm. south, but you couldn't buy them in the northeast because they were illegal. So I'd bring them home in the truck, you know, and I, back in them days, you had the real M80s, the real fucking half sticks of dynamite. You had the real <laughs> McCoys of everything, man, you know? Wow. And um, I blew myself up one day and I came back to work, man. I still had fucking like scars all over my face. Like, like chicken pants. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was the fucking gravel from the ground that blew up. It was embedded in my face. I had to get them all picked out, like in an emergency room. So like he called me Dynamite. <laughs> and yeah, right? And and he said, you know, Dynamite, he goes, um, I'm tired of, uh, he goes, go out and get yourself a black pair of pants, a blue shirt, and a bow tie. He goes, tomorrow night, you're going to be refereeing. I said, what? He goes, yeah, so uh, let Joey help you out with a few things and get, you know, whatever, get what, just bring that stuff, get it tomorrow, make sure you have it because I'm tired of these New York State Commission referees. And that's how I started wow. refereeing. Boom. So, Kyoto, um You checked with Gorilla Monsoon? Got back What's to me and said, yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> so, Kyoto, uh, I, I know that me and you have gone into great conversations throughout our career together about Joey and your thoughts on Joey and all that stuff. Oh, and, yeah. Um. And I know you live close to the Morellas, you know, right. talking about Gorilla and, and Joey. Right. Do you do you give credit for what you've accomplished because of your friendship with 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 them and living close to them? So, in other words, if you lived on the other side of town, do you think this would have happened for you? Um, 
we we live five minutes apart in the same town, Willingboro, New Jersey. Grew up to get you know. Um, I give them two hundred percent credit. You know, Gorilla and uh, Joey Morella for getting me started in the business. And Victor Kionez, um, we used to run a ring crew for Gorilla at the time. This is when uh, this is when Gorilla still owned a spot from and was, used to work for Vince Senior and do you know the uh, he had a certain territory like Bruno and certain guys had certain territories everywhere before Vince just sucked all the territories up. Um, I give them a lot of credit and. You know, being friends with Joey and just watching him do his thing, especially um, in the late 80s when Joey used to do his thing and give me all the, uh, not just about refereeing, but how to fucking handle yourself with the boys. Make sure you shake hands, you know, do this, don't stooge. Like Gorilla Monsoon used to always tell me, don't ever fucking stooge on anybody. If you <laughs> have to stooge to enhance your career in this business, then you're not doing your fucking job right. Go get another fucking job. That's right. That's one damn thing I never did in this business was stooge. My father taught me that being an Italian guy, don't ever fucking stooge and be a, you know, a fucking Mark, you know, and, you know, knock out and still shit like that. So I don't wait a minute, Kyoto. You stooge me off on the plane overseas when we smoked in the bathroom. What? <laughs> I probably stooge myself out too. <laughs> you, did. you stooge yourself out, but you also included me. <laughs> well oh, they fucking are... knew it they knew everything we were doing bro i don't know if i stooge you but i mean if i i didn't stooge i probably got stooge myself fuck believe me but <laughs> you we guys all were doing smoked, it right we all smoked in the bathroom smoked marijuana in the 80s and 90s you know before 9 11 came around it toned down you know so but um you know, getting to my point with joey and watching joey knowing joey did you know he did the what the whole kogan fucking andre match when you know, Hulk Hogan, Andre passed the torch to Hulk Hogan. And Joey tells me the story on what went on with that. And he really didn't think that Andre was going to do it for Hogan. He didn't think he was going to let Hogan slam him, you know, because like, you know, Andre wasn't telling Joey much at all, you know, and Andre loved Joey. He liked Joey a lot. Um, and in the incredible matches that he's done through his career, all the way up to 92 in Wembley Arena, Wembley Stadium, I'm sorry, Stadium, with 82,000 people between the Bulldog and uh, Brett the Hitman Hart. That was a phenomenal match, 40-something minutes, 42, 45 minutes. And what a fucking crowd, what a match. And just seeing Joey do his thing, you know, throughout the years before he passed, God bless. Um, you know, I, I always look up to Joey. I got his picture frame still right here. You know, um, uh, to be honest with you, Brian, you know, the first referee I, I think that should go in the Hall of Fame in WWE is Joey Morella, man. You know, and uh, I know there were some Dick Whirlies back then and there's some other guys and some Roger Ruffins and all this other stuff. But, uh, you know, back in them days. But to me, Joey should be in the Hall of Fame at WWE, the first referee. No doubt. No doubt. And uh, me and you talked about this as, as well in uh, Chicago. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there, there's no respect for fucking us, man. No, nah, uh, I, I think, think yeah. no fucking respect. And, it, you know. We can't sugarcoat it because how many years have gone by where there's guys that Joe Morella, uh, Earl Hebner, Dave yeah. Hebner, Tim, yes, Dave Hebner. I mean, White. Um, yeah. Mike, uh, yeah. you know, Tim White. On. I mean, it's just you know, and and with you know Dave Hebner and and with you know Earl Hebner and that spot that they had on Saturday main event when I was you know I was crew then and all that stuff. 
that was the fucking that was a phenomenal spot in wrestling, man. That was a phenomenal story. And just with a lot of things and what Earl had to do with the Bret Hart match and, you know, with, with his back up against the wall, you know? So, I mean, yeah, I don't know why we don't get that much credit, you know? But, and I got to tell you, Mike, we were blessed. Yeah, we were. Back, especially back then to have guys like we just mentioned, like right. the Earl and Dave Hebners and like right. the Tim Whites and, and you know, to, to, to be a sponge and to learn from. Right. And, right. and you mentioned Gorilla. Gorilla was also someone who had, you know, not only to you and to me as well, whatever, say, you know, Jimmy, come here, you know, uh, when this situation uh, arises again, maybe you should think about, you know, doing it this way and see if this works better for you and stuff. Right. He never, he never said it. You're wrong. Right. You're doing it right. wrong. He said, maybe this would work better if you did it this way. Yeah. You know, he was, he was, for lack yeah, of a better he, term, he was like a father figure. Yeah, he was exactly. And, you know, um, you know, there's one thing I remember him saying to me, Jimmy, we were set, we set the ring up one day in some house show. Um, and I'm out there and the ring's set up and I'm bumping with Steve Lombardi, Barry Horowitz and their suit, their snap suplexing me and I'm, I'm fucking bumping. We're doing all this shit. And I'm like, Oh, you know, I want to be a wrestler. You know, I'd love to, you know, like bump and shit. Gorilla was fucking at the show. And he, I come back and, you know, after it was like only it was a couple hours before the show and he's standing there and he goes, what what the fuck are you doing out there, Mike? And I said, well, I'm just playing around, bumping with the boys, girl. Like, you know, he goes, what what did I tell you about refereeing? I said, well, no. I, I said, I understand, sir. I'm just trying to learn how to bump. He goes, referees don't take fucking snap suplex, Mike. Referees don't take this kind of... He goes, you want to learn how to bump on a referee spot or learn how to bump, and you shouldn't be bumping like the boys. And that's fine. He goes, and what did I tell you about longevity about refereeing, like Joey? I told Joey. He said longevity in this business is refereeing you can have a 10-year run you could be a certain guy like this guy and this guy have a good 10 20 he goes it's only going to be about maybe five to ten percent that will have a, a 25 30 35 year career as a wrestler they don't make it that long he goes but a referee there's longevity in being a referee you'll last a lot of years that's you that you know what you know what Kyoto? you know i don't know if you know the story or not and I, I won't go into it deeply because this show is about you, not 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 me. Obviously. No, it's all good. Right, it's all good. But you know, there was a time where this beatbox thing that I was doing was taken oh, yeah. off. Good, <laughs> right? Right. I and uh, like I remember being approached. I'm, I'm being dead serious. I remember being right. approached about being the manager for John Cena mm -hmm. and doing the beatbox with no live music. The, the live music was going to be me beatboxing and him coming down. Mm -hmm. So you have two white boys yep. doing. Acts of rap and beatboxing. Yep. yep. And of course, my that eyes. That ain't heat. <laughs> look, right, right. And my eyes and my uh, money signs were like going out of crazy. I was like, fuck yeah, this is going to be fucking awesome. Da, da da da. Right. Well, The Undertaker caught heat of this and called me to the side. And he says, uh, So what's this? I'm hearing that you're being offered maybe a managerial position for John Cena. And I was like, Oh, yeah, take. So it's this, it's that. I get to beatbox, get to go down. You're talking beatbox, to a classic rock and roll guy there, Heb. <laughs> well, well, he 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 says to me simply, he goes, "Are you out of your fucking mind?" And I said, "What do you what do you what do you mean?" He goes, "You're a fucking referee. That shit'll last fucking six months at most. And then what are you gonna do after that? You're going back to your trailer?" And I went. Um, 
why would it not work out, Tate? He goes, you go ahead and do your way, and I'm just going to tell you how you should do it my way. My way is this. You're a referee, and you're a good one, and you'll be here a long time. Fuck that shit. Right. And I said, okay. And guess whose advice I took? You took takes. The dad man. <laughs> <laughs> the godfather of the business. You were involved in a big moment, too. Like, I think maybe this might have been one of your bigger moments back in uh, uh, it was 1996. Nope. 93. I'm sorry. 93. You're talking about kid? No, 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 no. Oh, talking okay. about 1996. No, that's okay. There's so many of them, RJ. We're going to have to go through the years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. So 1996, though, you, you were bringing up with the Earl and the uh, uh, Dave moment and all that stuff. But you were involved right. in a big moment, too, where you had uh, the British Bulldog and Shawn Michaels back in 1996. Do you remember that moment where the Earl Hebner was knocked the fuck out and uh, you had to interject yourself and come into that match where you counted um, Michael's shoulders down and awarded Bulldog to win, but the, the Michael's shoulders weren't down. And then Earl crawled into the ring, and it was a double count. Do you remember that? Where you awarded one the winner, he awarded yeah, the yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, I kind of remember that. I kind of remember that. Kyoto, you're I, worse than me. I know. It's bad and shit. I'm trying it's to like I it try up. to tell it's like I try to tell people, you know, these ref bumps take their toll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think me and Kyoto just got fucked up and can't remember shit. No, it's just oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna have to, I'm gonna have to Google that one. We'll do that on part two. It was, okay. uh, it was actually in, in your in your house eight beware of oh, dog in your house pay-per-view yeah oh, well, okay. uh, it was for the wwf title at the time all right well nice yeah. feedback all right next no next. <laughs> okay i got i got i got, a, I, I, got did, a, I didn't know i was involved in board matches in 93 like that <laughs> if we're if we're moving along I, I still remember this was in 99 as we mentioned earlier when we were talking um after my wedding, when I came back again, not trying to make this about me, but you're you're involved in this, Mikey, where when I got back from my honeymoon, you guys were doing the referee strike angle. Oh, God, I know. And I and I did this, <laughs> I, you know, when I came back, Hunter, I jokingly said to me, hey, Corduroy, welcome back. You know, uh, too bad you're out of a job. And I said, Hunter, I just got married. I can't afford to go on strike. Ha ha ha. Like right, this, right? Because right? right. I thought I was going to join you guys on the picket line outside. Right. I you know. know. <laughs> and he went, ha ha, come with me. And he took me to JR and they brought up th that I joined the scab referees. Right, right. And then we did that pay-per-view where uh, the six-pack challenge where you guys all came down and dragged me out of the ring. Right. Earl throws a punch, knocks me down, and then I get the boots put to me. But one of you guys was really putting <laughs> some... Let me put it to you this way: left some, uh, left some uh, marks behind. Let's put well, it that I'm, way. I'm glad you're bringing that up because learn I, how to throw kick, working kicks back then. Let's put it that way. I do. I do have some amends to make and some apologies in the eye. No, I'm but sorry, Jimmy. Do you, do you <laughs> remember? I did. I did get you back a little bit. I, it was a couple of weeks later. Uh, we were waiting in Gorilla, and there was a ring, a match going on in the ring, and we were going to go down and do the pull apart. Right. And as we all were running down to the ring, I was strategically positioned myself behind you. And as we got close to the ring, I kind of gave you a little nudge from behind and you went into the <laughs> ring apron and you shot me this look. And I thought, oh, oh we're going to go right here and I'm not ready to fight. <laughs> no, I remember funny, that. And Mike's, 
and Mike's New Jersey too, so he'll. Oh my god, man! Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. that I know I felt so bad with the kicks and all that shit. I go, oh, I know I, I don't know what I'm doing. Or like, and lay it in, make sure it looks good. Don't make it look like shit. I'm like, oh my god. Well, what's, oh, what's funny about all that is that before you even got into your story. Yoda was going, I'm sorry, Jimmy. I'm sorry, Jimmy. <laughs> he knew where I was exactly. going right away. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. There are definitely some amends and all that shit I got to make oh, over the no. years with my stiffies. Receipts. Speak, speak, you, ended up, you ended up having a match, though. You were involved in a tag match, were you not? Right. Yeah. Chris yeah. Jericho and the Dudleys yeah. was phenomenal and Rock yes. and, and um, Nick Patrick. And uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I'm sure I stiffed Nick there quite a few times too. I got to make my amends to him too, whatever. What the <laughs> yeah, but you but, got uh, to do the the ref's elbow. Yeah, it was awesome. It was, man. And I was, you know, during that match, I remember Bubba going during the day. He goes, Kyoto, if you don't sell that fucking clothesline, and I mean, you fucking sell it. You're not one of the boys, Kyoto. You better sell that son of a bitch all the way. <laughs> you know, if you don't sell that fucking clothesline, you're going to get it from me. You know, you know, Bubba, man. You told me no way. Bubba would never say that. Right, right. <laughs> oh, no. Never. Bubba, Bubba was on point, though. He was fucking on point, you know? So I remember he gives me this clothesline. And I'm fucking, if you notice, man, when I'm doing the people's elbow and I'm doing all this and I'm looking at rock, I sold that motherfucker. I held my chest all the way to the back at the end of the fucking night, you know, all the way to the end after the match. And he goes, then in the locker room, he goes, Kyoto, what the fuck, man? I said, what? He goes, I said, what? You didn't like how I sold that fucking clothesline? He was like, no, you sold too much. I'm like, what? What the fuck, Bubba? I was like, what do you mean I sold too much? He's like, Jesus Christ, you didn't have to hold your fucking chest the whole fucking rest of the night. I'm like, wow, what the fuck? Hey, I'd rather oversell and not sell. All right, Bubba? We laughed. But that's a no-win situation you were in. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, now you've oversold. Wouldn't you rather have oversold than undersold? Damn right. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. And that, that was one, you know, I never knew. I, and I don't know what other referee has really been a part like that. You know, it was a six-man tag. And it was an exciting night. And, you know, to look back at it now and you look at this match and you watch it over once in a while and you go, damn, I was fucking a part of, like, Here's a guy in Hollywood now. He's reached his high fucking limits in Hollywood, The Rock. Mm-hmm. You know, the Dudleys are phenomenal and icons and legends in this business. Nick Patrick coming from, you know, a referee from WCW over to us and then working with fucking Chris Jericho, who's still working, still kicking it out there. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal to be a part of that. And just, you know, it's it's all, it's amazing how you've done all these matches over the years of my career, Rock and Hogan. Brock and Kurt Angle, WrestleMania, and all these other matches, and Ben Juan, fucking Eddie Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero, and this one, it just goes on and on, and you think to yourself, God, I, I never knew that some of these matches would be icon matches. I was just going in there doing my job, you know, like, and it's it just, it's great how people appreciate all that. Oh, I hear you, and 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 because you brought it up, I, I, I hate, sorry guys if I'm skipping too far ahead, but you no, brought sorry. it up, you brought up Hogan and Rock. At WrestleMania here in Toronto, in my hometown, that you got to referee and be part of one of the greatest, still, in my opinion, one of the greatest moments ever. Yes. In the history of this business. They did absolutely nothing Nothing. to stand there. That's it. And the place went absolutely banana. Banana. And and, and you know how you know how everybody is. We're always in the back watching the monitor. Yep. I snuck out into the tech area so I could. See you live. 
feel see it live and feel it feel it out there. right i have i can't remember feeling anything like that i know and, and I, I can know. only imagine what it was like for you i know we've talked about it but i can only imagine what it was like for you being in the ring yeah i marked out i marked out in the, you know in the beginning of the match because the it, it started from the fucking entrance and the, the feel the respect of 68 to 70,000 people in Toronto Skydome and Canadians, man, you guys know you're wrestling. You know you're fucking wrestling. I don't think there's ever been one bad Canadian wrestler, you know? Um, and I'm talking Edge and Christian and, you know, uh, Benoit and uh, Jericho. Jericho and just so many on down the line, you know? Uh, so, I mean, being in there and just seeing the respect that they gave Hogan, you know, when he came out was just, and you know what? The company didn't know fucking which way these people were going to go. They did. They were stressed. They put this icon against icon match. They were worried about it. And they fucking, they nailed it, man. They nailed it. Hogan looked like in phenomenal shape at his age. The Rock would look great. Um, you know, it was just two icons against icons. And then, you know, at that moment, you know, you really didn't even realize there was a torch being passed because, you know, Hogan, Andre passed the torch to Hogan, to, you know, my feelings. Then Hogan in 2002 was passing the torch to Rock. Rock took the fucking torch, went to fucking Hollywood. You know, he said, fuck it a few years later. He said, I'm out of here, Gigi. I'm going to Hollywood. I'm like, you can't do that. You just got the fucking torch, bro. And, (laughs) And then Cena takes up the torch. You know what I'm saying? And no, you know, sure. there's many guys as far as DX and all that other stuff in between with Shawn Michaels, the showstopper, Taker. And we just had so much talent on the card back then, too, you know. So, um, yeah, and just that night in Toronto was just fucking amazing. And I hate to take away from Stone Cold and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania and this and, and another, all these other matches I've done, Seth Rollins, or I mean, Brock Lesnar and, um, and uh, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins cashing in the money at the bank and and so many other matches I've done. I hate to take that away because there were such physical and badass matches in certain other ways. And like you said, Jimmy, Hogan and Rock, they didn't do much at all. You know, it was the shove off. It was the push off, the fucking tackle, the Hulk up. It was just like, holy shit. And I, I marked out so much. I had chills. And then at the end, I don't know if you'll notice, but I had tears in my eyes for Hogan, man, because... Hogan sitting there did the job, you know, his ribs were busted up a little bit. I know his ribs were hurting him and he got through that match, man. I had to take one bump during that match to bump. I was so stressed. You know how you're stressed about how the fucking bump's going to work and make sure it because if you fuck this bump up, you know, and you don't hit your timing right and you fuck up everything and God forbid, you know, the referee gets the heat really not only from the crowd, but from the talent and then from the Mm -hmm. office in the back. So, you know, the referee will get shit on every which way. So everything worked out perfect that night. I was so fucking pumped that it did. Um, so honored to be a part of that match. And um, looking back at it now, it's just one of my best matches in my career. And I remember hey, Jericho. Kyoto, Kyoto, you remember the way the, um, I know you do, because me and you hung out, <clears throat> excuse me, hung out that weekend. Um, remember the way the hotels were where you could open the curtains and you could look out to the, the arena. The the yeah. yeah, the stadium, yeah. So I, I went back up to my room because I had my girlfriend at the time, which was my wife for mm-hmm. 19 years. Yeah. Um, she's not now, but anyway. Um, anyway, I uh, opened those curtains, was changing, and lived that moment up there where all those people were. 
it was the most amazing sound I've ever heard in my life. Other than an aircraft that goes over something, yeah, it exploded. I, and I was actually in your shoes and could not imagine. I was just like, holy fuck, dude. I couldn't I, even think. I did the opening. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I did the opening, uh, which was RBD and um, uh, William Regal. And, yeah. of course, you know they're fucking hot, you know, for the opener. Right. And it was fucking mind-boggling for somebody like me right and that was nothing compared to what i witnessed and saw just amazing and then i want to touch on this i did hogan events suck it <laughs> <laughs> and i want to touch jimmy with you know in toronto if you remember this too and brian um but chris jericho i remember running around all day at that, that time in 2002 now we're going back 21 years and he sat there and, you know, he was so young in his career at the time, you know, and I remember him saying, we're not going to be able to follow Rock and Hogan. We're not going to be able to follow. And they just did not want to put that fucking match on last. You know, they were in production meetings after production meetings. And, you know, they're in fucking tons of meetings all week before Mania, two weeks before Mania. And they just did not want to put that match on last, you know, and. Mm -hmm. And then there was a another match. I mean, it was just the crowd was just so exhausted. I felt bad for the last match. You know, it just you know it was just. I remember. I think Jericho had two titles on him at the time or something. And yeah. it was a title match. It was Hunter against um, you know Jericho, and um, I just remember that they kept saying that fucking match. And I remember it was such a success and the crowd went so fucking nuts. It's 68,000 for the Sky Dome. You didn't have 90,000 people. You had 68,000 in that Sky Dome and that's a big stadium. And the feel, to be able to hear that fucking noise with 68,000 people was so fucking impressive. It's the building literally shook. Shook. Literally. No, it did. It did. It, it did. Really I mean, did. I literally, if there's a picture up here, like, um, you know, I have I have all the front page of Sun, the Bash, and all that. It's up here. Mm -hmm. um, I have a, I have the picture, same one. It. Let me see. I have the same one, bro. Probably if you could see, I don't know if you can see him back there, but yeah, it's from the Bash, and I'm over there in the front page, and then I'm on the Examiner. I'm on the front page with Rock and Hogan, with them mm -hmm. just staring at them in the face off. Mm -hmm. I marked out on the face off with the crowd, the entrance, and everything. I was fucking marking. I. And I, here I am. I'm in the business 17 fucking years, and I'm I'm marking out huge, huge. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was amazing, man. Well, Brian, you didn't. I, I was going to mention this when you said to uh, to Kyoto there he could suck it because you did Vince and Hogan. Well, Kyoto did uh, Vince and Triple H, so you can both <laughs> you, you, you can both go like that. And on top of that, Jimmy did uh, Hogan and Piper in at pay per view mm -hmm. when he was Mister America. So. Oh my goodness! Wow, RJ, you RJ, you see, you see how things Bro, come together. <laughs> they all RJ, come together. Reminder: This is my show, and you work for me. What the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> oh shit! Okay, well, check. Okay, I'm gonna edit that. Okay, good. Uh, no, but just seriously though, it's just between with you, Kyoto, and with Hebner there. It's you're working with Vince. It's like how you've been in the business so long. How intimidating right. is that when you guys, especially with 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 Brian at WrestleMania 19 and you're over at Armageddon 99, Mike, and mm -hmm. just how intimidating is it to go out and you know work you're roughing the boss? Uh, it is. It, to me, it was very intimidating at times because uh, everybody was worried about his concern about his health or his condition in the ring. 
I mean, because Vince is not a worker. You know, if you ever seen Vince take some bumps, you know, like it's it's you know, and, and you know, Brutal. Vince is, you know, if we're going back fifteen years or so, Vince is probably sixty years old at the time, six, but always in phenomenal shape. Don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. phenomenal shape. The guy fucking works out. Vince works out, goddamn, three in the morning to five in the morning. Just he's a workaholic, you know. Um, yeah, but I mean, it was always intimidating. You had to make sure you got the cues and, but. You know, and here's my thing. When Vince always worked against certain opponents, whether it was Stone Cold or this one or Triple H, you know, he wasn't the ringleader in there. You know, it was more or less Triple H or Stone Cold and them guys were the ringleaders. But when Vince wanted to know his cues or his spots or anything, you better be point on and give it to him. So that's, mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, you're always worried about his health. I mean, you know, he, some, some days he walked down the ring, blew both his quads out and then some days he did this and some days this happened so they were very concerned about his health mm -hmm. and that, that was the most important yeah the the, the the crazy thing about the night he blew up both quads was he made it back to gorilla on his own he wouldn't he refused help i know i know insane he was pissed i remember man we, we got oh i know uh, to this day i still bug chad because when he went to stand up in the ring he started yeah. going down and chad backed off and i kept going <laughs> chad you let the boss fall you should have grabbed them. Right. Have... Oh fuck. Yeah, but yeah, uh, but if you grabbed them, well, you'd you'd probably get more more for yeah, it than no, grabbing him. Well, he did uh, the right thing. Don't get me wrong. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Vince would Vince, if you would have held Vince up, he would have. Yeah, he would have been hot. So, probably. But I, but I couldn't let him off the hook. Come on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so Kyoto, you, you you've done so many matches, and you've been a. You you've been assigned to them. You know they just don't. Right. Get, they're right. assigned. We all know right. that work. Production meetings and agents and this and Absolutely. that. And, you know I never pitched. You know I I got that question. Did you ever? Uh, they said you know one of my questions on my podcast. It said, uh, Yoda, did you ever like um, how did I say weasel your way or play the politics in getting your match? And I said I never did that. I never never did that. You know like. I let production and I let the talent production and the top guys in them production meetings make the choices. And that's who, and that's who did make always the choices, whether talent or production. And it was always Michael Hayes or Vince or, you know, without have to approve of this. So when, you know, when they'd come to me about these matches, I, I felt very privileged and I felt like I was doing my job right. And, you know, um, and gave it 110% every time I went out there. There's a there's a there's an off the cuff question though. I know, Mikey, you've had a legendary career. Let's put it that way. And you, yeah, you talk about you know you know Hall of Fame quality uh, officiating and that sort of stuff. But what was your favorite car to ride in? I have to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> I would I want to say it have to be Ray Mysterio, Umanga, and Johnny Stram Stamboli. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Good lord. Oh. oh yeah, that was a fucking wild one. Um, Snitsky Snitsky's one of the best too, you know. I mean uh, it was fucking wild. I love him. I, I have a I have a story about Kyoto that we'll we'll talk about in our third count. It's, it's fucking awesome. I, I, I used I used to fucking hate it, but now I look back on it and be like, this motherfucker was trying to teach me. You know what I mean? Like so yeah. I, I I get it. It's 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 a cool story. We'll 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 get into that in the third count. But cool, cool. Yeah, you didn't you like, didn't mention the car where you you know I'd be driving with my with my no, I, lights and, and Jimmy and, and I Pepsi do. And, I love and, and 
and uh, Chimmel in the passenger side just, yep. complaining about everything. Everything. Yep. Jimmy, you, you were driving. I love the music. You were the best fucking DJ in the car. You, you knew every fucking classic rock and roll song. You knew every song, period. And we used to have a blast smoking our cigarettes, fucking cruising. And you'd always fucking knock out that driving. I'll tell you that. Uh, I, 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 that's because I was a bad passenger. <laughs> I can't. I can't just sit there. I have to do something, and not only that, the person driving was also in charge of the radio. Remember? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and those are the stations I chose. You know, that's uh, right. Always school. had some good music, no, man. No school like old school. No. Me and Kyoto. No me, me and Kyoto would be like, "All right, we're riding with uh, Jimmel, and then we go. Uh, guess what? Here's the good news." We ain't got to fucking drive because right, you know, exactly. you know Chimmel's not going to do it, and he will do it. And him and exactly. Corey, y'all. Oh, yeah. I'd be, <laughs> I'd be lighting up the Smiths. You'd be cracking those doors. Bud Lights or Miller Lights? You used to like Miller Lights. Come Miller on. Light. Miller Light. Yeah. It was a Miller Light. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that was always a good, good time, man. Always had a lot of fun, man, driving with oh, you yeah. guys, working with you. And it's been, it's been an awesome career, yeah. man. It's been awesome. I really have nothing. I have nothing bad to say about my 35 career and who I worked with you guys and anybody yeah. really, you know, we've been blessed, man. We've, we, we, we truly have been blessed, especially yeah. in something we love so much. It, you know, like they say, when you love doing what you're doing, it's not work. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's true. And we used to bitch about, I know we used to bitch and this and that because we travel and all the time travel and on the road and it wasn't easy being away from the family 25 days a month, 24 or whatever. And sometimes more. So we were like, I know it sounds cliche, but we were like a road family out there, man. We, we were. We, we did. We looked after each other. We totally. watched each other's backs, man. Totally. We had to because we never wanted to get buried. We didn't want to lose our jobs. We always <laughs> like, you know, we forgot that last piece of the steel gauge. I don't know, but we better go fucking get it. Get it. <laughs> what, 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 think about think about think about this, guys. I mean, it, it puts it really in perspective. So I'm now working and training a 25 year old at my family business. And he's now discovering because he's so young, what I used to do. And mm -hmm. something came up with the beatbox thing. And mm -hmm. someone sent it to me today, today, because they knew Kyoto was on. They were like, you know, here's, Hey, so, da, 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 da. Right. so I showed it to him. He was like, damn dude, your 25 year old life was much cooler than mine right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's oh. put it in perspective, bro. Brother, sometimes, you know, you you go overseas, whether it was South Africa, Japan, Australia, Europe, we get on that plane, get fucked up, get fucked up at the hotel, and you'd wake up in the morning and you'd open up your curtains, whether you were wherever you were, and you'd see this beautiful ocean, whether you were in South Africa or Australia, and go, what the fuck? I can't believe I'm, I'm in South Africa or I'm in fucking Australia or I'm in Japan or Thailand or you know, or in China or somewhere. It's just, it's amazing how you just be like, holy shit. What an experience to travel because no fucking college education or computer class or fucking whatever, or even though baseball or American, like NFL or any, they don't travel as much as we did. They don't go no. all over the world. No. Hell no. Mm -mm. Maybe that's like we were talking about in the first count. Maybe that's one of the reasons why there's an issue nowadays is because we were on the road, not only on the road a lot, but we were working a lot in the ring, right? Live events, right. house shows, and that's, that's not, because of what's been happening the last couple of years with the COVID and stuff. They haven't been right. getting those reps in, right? And and, and, and that's true. Yeah, yeah. 
No, and keep going, Jimmy, because I want to feed no. off of that. Because no, well, it's just what I was going to say. Look, I wanted to bring yeah. that up. I wanted to bring that up earlier. I forgot to mention that with AEW, they don't do live events really. They may be starting to do live events now. You know, like I just talked to Dean Malenko a little while ago today, and um, he was in Winnipeg. You know, courtesy of Chris Jericho. You know, mm-hmm. hey Tony Khan, let's get out to Winnipeg <laughs> minus, at minus six degrees. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I was like, no shit, you're in fucking Winnipeg. I said, yeah, congratulations. You could thank Chris Jericho for that. And he goes, yeah, fucking ain't right, right? Minus <laughs> six degrees. So, I mean, and you know, my thing is, AEW doesn't do live events. They may start soon doing live events, but it's a day late, dollar too short. I mean, I think the live events, you would learn a lot more by doing fucking two referees, four, four matches, or one guy's got five like we used to do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how you learn. And I don't think I, I don't, and even WWE, I don't think they're doing those referees. I think are working. I think they're working one live event now. Which, God, I wish I was back with WWE now, working one weekend of live events in a fucking month. You know, and, why would you wish that? Well, they're getting paid the same, and they're only working one <laughs> fucking weekend on the live wow. events, and they're getting their downsides, and they're getting all that, and they're fucking less mm-hmm. travel expenses, less fucking everything. You know, less hotel mm-hmm. car, but um. But they're not getting the experience. They're getting the money, but they're not getting the experience, the young mm-hmm. referees that they need, mm-hmm. you know, for with live events. Right. Well, let's do this. We got lots to talk about. We got fan questions, and we're not done talking about some good shit. <laughs> so, with that being said, we're going to send it to our third count right now. This is your three count. All right, we're here with the third count. We got some listener questions for you, Mike. Uh, first group comes from our listener, Shane. Uh, first question is, why did you only make sporadic appearances in the early days of Raw? Um, so I'm assuming it's probably right when the infancy of like 93, 94 there. Hmm. Sporadic appearances on Raw in 93 and 94? It says the early days, so I'm assuming it's I'm assuming it's at 93, 94 when they first uh, when they're running. Probably I think it was the Manhattan Center. And Center, and, right? Um, I think they ran Poughkeepsie too. Right, right. No, I I mean I remember working Poughkeepsie for you know the Civic uh, Hudson Civic Center. Um, of course, we started Raw with the ring crew and referee, and you know my first big match I did in Raw I think at the Manhattan Center was Razor Ramon and One Two Three Kid. Um, that's when Razor told me to fucking speed my count up. He goes, I don't give a fuck what you do, Coyote. You just better speed that fucking count up. And if you notice on that, man, I fucking sped that fucking count up because I wasn't having no parts of fucking heat with the click, you know, so you didn't want no fucking heat with click. Um, And Razor was always cool with me, man. And I had a lot of phenomenal, I was posted up here, man, in the office signed to Coyote and everything. And I miss Razor, man. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The sporadic appearances... It must have, it could have been where, you know, when there was times with um, certain things at Raw going on, we were pretty much 90% of the crew because we were from New Jersey. So it'd be an hour drive for us. But if I didn't make Raw and I made sporadic appearances, maybe because I was driving a truck somewhere else, bringing the steel cage or bringing the fucking uh, other parts of stuff. Because we, you know, Terry Garvin had us, and I think Terry Garvin was at the time, maybe, or Steve Taylor event operations you know they always had you moving somewhere you'd have to miss a show because you had to drive a truck from fucking california to connecticut or somewhere but 
Yeah, that was the only time, but 90, 90, probably 90% of the times I was at Raw a lot yeah. in the Manhattan Center. Is that coming from Shane McMahon himself, a question, or is that? Could have been, could have been. All right, so, uh, you know, I, Kyoto, I want to ask this. Um, yeah. I, I was told this story by the infamous uh, Chimmel. Yeah. That piece of shit. Yeah. Um, wow. Wow. I'm kidding. I love Chimmel. Right. Um, could, could, couldn't tell. <laughs> I got um, a little heat with him too. He won't even come on my podcast. <laughs> Jesus. I think it's I think it now be a race of whose podcast he'll get on first. Yeah, right. Mm. <laughs> um so you were uh doing some road work, ring work, all that stuff, and he was yep. in charge of the truck, and there was somebody that was left behind, including yourself. Mm. Um, I wanted you to go into a little detail about that because I was very privy to this conversation. And um, it, to me, it's a hilarious. <laughs> All right, uh, man. This, yeah, totally remember that night. Totally remember, man. The can, only can, time can, I ever got you, fucking can, left. Can, can you tell me about it? Sure can, man. Um, Philadelphia Spectrum, 30 minutes from our house, right? 30 minutes from my house. And who do we have the privilege of traveling with? Um. Vince McMahon wanted his son, wanted Shane to learn everything from the bottom up. He wanted him to learn how to drive in the ring truck, how to set the ring up from the bottom. He wanted him to know everything um, as far as wrestling, ring crew production, driving the trucks, how the, tr how the trucks in the ring event operations and the ring crews work. So he put. How old was he? How old was he? He was just getting out of college at the time. So I want to say 22, 23, maybe, or something like that, or he was offered, you know, the summer from college, which started in May or whatever it did. Um, and he traveled to us for almost a year, like, you know, on and off. And, you know, he'd stay at the house of my, you know, my house and stuff a lot. Uh, so we go to the Spectrum one day, we do a show, we bust our ass, we have a four and a half hour drive to Glens Falls, New York. So we're sitting there and then the fucking nasty boys are partying on their tour bus. They had this tour bus and stuff, you know, and they were fucking partying with a bunch of the boys. So no me way. and Shane go over there. We're drinking our homemade fucking whiskey, homemade wine. And they got all this <laughs> homemade shit getting fucked up. So we're having a few drinks afterwards. And it's now, now it's about midnight, 1230, you know, it's, it's fucking late because, you know, we, we, we busted ass tearing down the ring. And now we got a four and a half drive. And, you know, the motto was always Chimmel and myself and was get the ring there first. Get Just get to the next town. Don't fuck around. <laughs> Never try to get there the next day. Get to the next town. So Chimmel's paging me, paging me 911, this and that. Now, I can't call him back. I wasn't even near a fucking pay phone. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, Shane, fucking Chimmel's pissed, man. We got to roll. He keeps texting me. Nine. I mean, he does. He was paging me. 911. And he goes, Ah, oh, don't worry. Fucking Chimmel ain't going nowhere. Chimmel ain't going nowhere. I said, Ah, oh, Shane. I said, He's getting fucking hot. So now I see the truck up at the top of the fucking ramp coming out of the arena and he stopped there. And he's sitting there for a good 20 fucking 30 minutes. He keeps paging me, right? I guess he goes back to this payphone in the arena and he's fucking paging me and paging me. And I said, Shane, we got to go. He goes, He goes, Hey, he goes, Chimmel ain't going to fucking leave us, please. And I look at Shane, I'm like, yeah, 
I'm with the fucking boss's son. I'm like, he ain't gonna fucking leave us. You're absolutely fucking right, you know? Well, fuck, five minutes later, we see the truck pull off. I'm like, Shane, Shane, he's fucking pulling off. And he's like, and I want to say the bus is about maybe 40, 50, 30, 30, 40 yards from us, maybe 20, 30, 40 yards. I said, fuck, Shane, he's pulling off, man. He goes, ah, he's just going to go around a block and try and scare us. Well, that motherfucker never came back. <laughs> and we're sitting there and it's fucking 1.32 in the morning. So long story short, I got to fucking ask Animal and Hawk to give me a ride. And the nasty boys were following in her bus. So Hawk and Animal give me and Shane a ride to my house to get my car. Because now we got to get my car. And I got to continue on because he, Timmel was fucking gone. We waited there about an hour. Truck never came back. Shit, now fucking Shane is fucking hot. How do you leave your boys? How do you leave your coworkers? How do you leave fucking this? You know? He <laughs> fucking steaming. Right? <laughs> I'm steaming now because now I got to drive. I got to get my car. So now my, this is when I was, I moved back home for a little bit of time because I was, I was buying a home somewhere. So, uh, and I had this side apartment in the garage. We had this garage that was completely remodeled into a big screen TV, a full bar and everything. And I had a piranha fish tank with 55 gallon fish tank with piranhas in it. Water bed, waveless water bed. I was fucking, you know, making money. And um, next thing you know, like now everybody's drunk. And my dad and my mom are sleeping on the other side of the house. And uh, and I have a side door to the garage for always to get in and out. So um, next thing you know, fucking sags and knobs. I come back in my room and they got my fucking room torn apart. And I was, you know, I'm so neat. I used to vacuum my carpet coming out. Fucking water bed always made. Everything used to be fucking just tip top shape when I come back off the road. I, I, I have to cut you off, Joe. I mean, gotcha. <laughs> Yoda. gotcha. Dude, you, you're, you're, you're OCD like no other. Uh, right. You are. Right. You are. I, I remember coming to your hotel rooms <laughs> to come hang out. Your shit was meant. There was nothing in the floor. You had candles burning. <laughs> you had. I'm being dead serious. Uh, Kyoto. Right. I mean, I was a smoker. Wrong. I was an eat smoker. I was, you know, burned candles so you didn't smell the pot and, you know, cigarette smell and all that. But <laughs> smart. <laughs> but I was neat. <laughs> This is the Howard Stern show, folks. Yeah, right? <laughs> so they're fucking now nasties, knobs and sags, which I just seen fucking knobs a couple weeks ago in NWA show up here in Tampa. And we popped you seeing each other. So and they're pulling my fucking pranas out and throwing them all over my fucking bedroom, you know. And I got like six pranas in this tank. And they're grabbing my fucking pranas and throwing them like you motherfuckers. So I, I'm like, I'm like Hawk, you know, to Mike, and I said, Hawk, get these motherfuckers out of my room. He's like, I said, my dad's home, man. I don't want him getting up, you know, fucking saying who the fuck are these guys, and then you know. And uh, next thing you know, Hawk goes, all right, okay, well, I'll get him out. So he fucking gets him, pushes him out the door. Let's get the fuck out. I grab my keys. I make my room up real quick. Get my fish back in my fucking glass tank and shit and everything, and. And then me and Shane take off. Now we got a four and a half hour drive, five hour drive to Glens Falls. But he's he, it's, Shane goes, where the fuck is Chimmel staying? I said, well, if I know him, we're going to Glens Falls. We stay at Poughkeepsie. We stay at, you know, exit 18 off the fucking 
the 87, I believe, or something. We 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 stay off exit 18 in New Paltz exit. So we stay at that hotel at the fucking Days Inn or it was a, it was a Days Inn or a Super 8. So we said, well, let's fucking go to that hotel. I said, for what? We should just go all the way. He goes, fuck that. We're going to Chimbel's room. We get there at 5.30 in the morning, right? Five what? Yeah, by the time we get to, I, I Kipsy's like a two and a half, three hour drive. So we get there. He fucking, it's 5.30 in the morning. We get the fucking room number for Tony Chimmel. We see the fucking truck, of course, the WWF truck, you know, <laughs> World Wrestling Federation. So he's like, good fucking, he goes, way to know where he's at, that motherfucker. He gets in, he kicks the fucking door down. We get in, get his room number from the lady at the front desk. You know, those days they gave you room numbers out. And he fucking kicks that fucking door in and he's fucking screaming at Chimmel in the room. And I'm just like in the room, like, what the fuck? He's like, go ahead, go ahead, Shane. Tell your fucking dad. He was like, yeah, my thing is, I got to get the fucking ring and do my job first. So tell your dad, does he want me to sit there and fucking party all night? Or does he want me to get the fucking work done and get the ring to the next town? Because if you don't have a fucking ring, you ain't got a show. And Shane, (laughs) I just stopped and looked at him. and All right. Okay. Yeah, you got a fucking point there, Jim. But you left your boys. You left your fucking boys. And he's like, I don't want to hear it. And I was just like, oh, shit. And I was like, you know, Shane, he does got a point, man. Amada always get the fucking ring to the next town. Well, you don't no, want to But yep. Tim, dude, Tim was right, bro. He was right. No, he, he was totally right. And you know what? You know how much yeah. respect has probably gotten and given from that point yeah. forward? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Chimmel was, I mean, Shane was kind of hot, man. He held he held that yeah. grudge for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> I was hot too, because now I had my car in the road. Then we got to go to Glass Falls. Then we got to go to fucking upstate New York, even further all the way up to probably Rochester or Buffalo. And I had to take my fucking car and put all those miles on them. Fucking yeah, I was just and drive. So I was fucking kind of hot, but he was right. Yeah, he left his coal in the dirt, man. That's for sure. So um, a little sad story that I mentioned earlier, and I'll never forget this. This is uh, uh, honestly a really cool moment. Um, I remember getting on the road for a very early, short period of my time, very green, very hated. uh, And I remember you coming to me, and I don't know if you remember this or not, so I'm a joggy memory. You don't remember much, it seems, as yeah. like. <laughs> but uh, I remember you coming to me and saying, "Hey, you wanna you wanna go to the bar and hang out?" And I said, "Hey, Kyoto, I don't, I, I don't, I don't have the money, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. No problem." And you said, "Look, no, dude, it don't work like this." And I said, "Doesn't work like what?" I said, I don't have shit in my pocket. There's nothing. That, yeah, it works just like that. I don't have money to spend. Right. And you said, here. And you have to remember, this was early 2000s. Like, I'm right. talking about 2000, 2001 at the max. Right. You gave me a $100 bill, and you said, keep it. You don't owe me shit. Let's go to the bar. Dude, I remember that. You do remember this? I do. What kind of bar was it? <laughs> it was no, it was no, no, no. It was a, it was a hotel it was a re- bar. It was a regular, oh, the regular bar. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was okay. a hotel bar. Gotcha. I won't talk about what happened when we left that bar, but anyway, right. <laughs> uh, I do remember that. 
I do. And remember. you gave me a hundred dollars, and you said it's yours. You don't owe me anything. This is my donation to you. My 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 initiation to you. Just want you to feel part of the family. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, like wow, like, and I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. Yeah, I mean, I that was almost thirty years ago. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, and, and you know, when when I gave money like that because I liked you, or you know, I wanted you know, come on, hang out, and you know, it felt bad, but. You know, it was one thing I, I I never lent money out. I always gave money. And if I gave it, I never looked back at it, you know. And so, I, you know, and I could see me doing that. And I remember doing that, you know. Um, and I remember we we, we reiterated that uh, that conversation in that day a while ago. Um, and I totally do, man. And, you know, I was I always liked you as a referee. And I knew you were going to be one of the best referees in this business, you know, which you are still. And... You know, um, you came from a second generation at the time, you know, and uh, you knew your shit. And I was like, I knew you were going to be a great referee. And uh, I just wish I would have, man, I, you know, Brian, I really do wish your career would have lasted longer with WWE. Mm-hmm. You know, I do too. I think you got, you know, you got the wrong, you got the, uh, you know, I, I think, I think all of us in one way or another in the points of our career, I know I, I lasted a longer, a lot longer and stuff. I don't know how, but I did. Um, but I, I think we all got shafted, you know, in, in, in a certain way. That's that's the unfortunate part of this business is that if you tick off somebody in the uh, in the right position mm-hmm. or wrong position, depending on your point of view, right. and they hold a grudge against you, uh, it's very easy for them to kind of eradicate something they don't like. So, yeah, you know, that's it, the, yeah. And that's exactly it, Jimmy, because I used to sit there and always say, like, you know, there's one person that hates the talent. And then it could be 12 people at the round table in that production meeting, right? One person hates that talent. The other 11 agree. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. 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 All you had to do is have heat with one person and it would fucking filter like a, a virus, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, and, and it's just like, you know, but I, you know, I look at a lot of the talents careers, a lot of guys like Alex Riley and certain other guys and Dolph Ziggler and, you know, how, oh man, you know, sometimes people stomp on people's careers, man. I hated that, you know, mm-hmm. and then finally it happens to you, you know. You know, there's one thing, Kyoto, like you said, I mean, like, so for, for me and eventually you, eventually Corderas, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you kind of feel like you, you, you build a comfort with a company where they, believe in you and believe in what you do for them and tell you your family. Right. 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 And then there's never a comfort zone in WB. And I'll just say, you know, the reason why I could have gone back to WB, but there was reason why I didn't. And there's reason why I chose impact wrestling. And there's reason why I chose, um, NWA. Mm -hmm. And there's reasons why I was a floater. You guys were never floaters. You guys were predominantly WWE guys. And that's, yeah. that's cool. Right. But once I got that, once I got that, 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 that anger of not doing anything wrong and just being eliminated, which I've always been taught and learned to be a winner. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and winning yeah. is, 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 is only acceptable. Losing is not acceptable. Right. You learn your losses. You know what I mean? Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's what I learned. And, 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 you know, I never felt threatened like I did in WWE, which causes camaraderie problems, if that makes any sense. 
where people are always watching their back, where they're always worried about somebody stabbing them. They're always doing this, doing that. Right. Like you said earlier tonight, you know, don't, 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 don't tell somebody that they did something wrong. Don't, don't go and do that because you know, you're the one that does that. You're, you're the one that gets fucked. Right. Uh, It's the same way, but it's done differently. Right. You know, and you know, I, I, I really cherish all my memories in WWE. I really, really do. And then yeah, meeting so you, meeting Paris, yep. and 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 all that stuff. But man, that that mill, I'll never go back to. I don't care what the dollar figures are; they're not right. worth it to me. Right. Because at the end of the day, you can get the dollar figures, and guess what? Tomorrow you may not because they can just cut you. No, and, that's, true. Well, that's why you got to go in a guarantee. Right. <laughs> exactly. You're you're learning. You're learning, Kyoto. <laughs> it, 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 took, it takes a while, but you it, figure it out eventually. Exactly right. Three and a half decades. Now, yeah, I'm figuring it out. Now I gotta right. ask you. I gotta ask you on a more serious note. A question for yeah, me. What's that, Jimmy? Because you've been there for a long time through different iterations of refereeing, from the blue shirt and bow tie to the striped shirt. I see the blue SmackDown shirt in the back. Yep. You know which was your favorite of all time? Did you did you like the stripes? Did you like the blue SmackDown? Did you like the blue shirt with the bow tie? What was your yeah. favorite look? He hated the bow tie. I did, I did, I did. The bow tie, that shirt was the shit. Yeah, I I didn't like that one. But um, I'd have to say the black and white shirt. And then, but I'd done some incredible matches and some incredible things with the ring exploding and and you know Brock and Kurt and uh, so many other matches with the SmackDown shirt. I gotta say. If I can only pick one, I'd have to say with the black and white, but I'm kind of almost torn between two because mm-hmm. the black and white was Rock and Hogan with other incredible matches that I've done and Stone Cold mm-hmm. and and um, Shawn Michaels and and many other matches that I've done. Um, yeah, I'd have to say the black and white, Jimmy, though, is the best probably. Cool. cool. Yeah. Which one was so, yours, Jim? I don't know. That, I, I I liked the fact that when we, when SmackDown switched to the blue shirt, Right. It differentiated us, uh, the yes. brands. Yes, it made the brands true. completely separate. And you know what I mean? And, and that's the shirt I wore in refereeing that main event match at WrestleMania the uh, between Edge and Taker. Right. was the blue right. shirt. So right. for me, the blue shirt holds a special place in my heart. Don't get me wrong. No, I uh, got you. I started with the blue shirt and the bow tie until uh, right. there was somebody that used to love pulling the pockets and ripping them off. Owen, oh, oh, you remember <laughs> just accidentally. Hey, let me put that in your pocket. Oh, sorry, rip, sorry. <laughs> when you use the the foreign napkin as an object, a foreign object. You know, oh my God! I know. There's so many times when Owen, I used to play music. You know, I used to have to be back and you'd referee, and then you have to start. You'd have to play music in between your matches and do certain mm-hmm. shit. I remember being on the headset in an arena. And I'm like, okay, all right, we'll just play the music when I tell you to, and you're gonna you're gonna cue this tape up. And when I give you the go ahead, you just hit the music, you know, like normal. Mm-hmm. And then fucking next, I walk away for like fucking two minutes. I knew I had ten minutes, and I walk away to go to the bathroom, and I hear the fucking music playing, and I'm like, what the fuck? I come back and fucking I remember Chief and Renee Goulet and all these. What the fuck? You play the fucking music? The finish ain't over. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck? And I see Owen over there with a big smile. And I'm like, <laughs> I get on the headset. I'm like, hey, why did you fucking play that music, sir? He's like, well, you just told me to. You told me to hit the music. I was like, what? And I look over at Owen. He's fucking laughing. They're all laughing mm. over there. I'm like, you motherfuckers. I'm like, mm. 
He but was too much. I mean, he was. Oh he was God great. He was. God bless him, man. I know. And, you know, we were in the ring that day, that, that sad day, Jimmy. You know, mm -hmm. remember yeah. you were in the ring. I came down. Yeah. After. Yeah, that was, that's, that, was that was a rough one. Yeah, man. It sure was, man. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Did you, you good? You got anything else there? Uh, so I got one, a second one from Shane. He wanted to know, um, coming up on the 30 year anniversary of this happening, it's hard to believe back in 93 when the one, two, three kid beat Razor Ramon on Raw. Right. You were in the ring for that. Um, he wants to know how surprised were you when you found out that kid was going over Razor on Raw? Ah. Not as surprised as fucking Razor Ramon was. <laughs> no shit, yeah. You remember, I'm the referee. I'm neutral, so I don't give a fuck who's going to bury me. You know, it's like I'm not I'm not losing or winning or anything. You're, as a referee, you're the neutral guy. But, man, was I shocked? Yes. Um, was Razor shocked? Fuck yeah. Mm -hmm. And, then like, you know, it was just cool because they were that little click, but – you know, Razor did the job. He, I know he was, I remember him bitching and going, what the fuck? And this because those guys back in the day took their, they took their, their the wrestling, gimmicks. their gimmicks, their everything. They took it, you know, um, their per, I mean, they took everything so serious. And if, you know, there was at that time in the business, you'd have guys going, I'm not doing a fucking job for him. Or fuck him. You know, he, what has he done in his business? He don't deserve it. And, I mean, there were guys literally saying, I'm not doing the fucking job to him. Or even at live events. Or because they took their character so fucking serious. And, um, yeah, I was shocked. Um, Manhattan Center was shocked. The New York crowd, New York City crowd, Man mm -hmm. Manhattan Center, you know, they were shocked. Everybody was shocked. And I think that's why it makes it. One of the most uh, unbelievable matches, you know. This kid was young, he was like a little baby face, and you know he had a mullet. I had a mullet. Scott had a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> I had I I had a frolic. I did have a frolic. <laughs> yeah, that's so, it. So, we 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 need a little honesty here. All right. Yeah, what's up? All right, and I know you'd be honest. Good. Uh, so uh, all I have is it's George. I don't know George. Whatever. How you doing, George? Um, he says, who started the sweat band on the arm? You both used it many years. Right. Who was the originator of the wristband is his question. I want to say you were. Okay. <laughs> I remember wearing wristbands in the 80s. Not in the 80s because we had the blue shirts on. Um. But I was always a fan of the wristbands because I sweated so much in the fucking ring. Same, um, same, same. And it wasn't just what I was overweight, you know, in, in certain points in my career. But even when I was thin, because I always, I always gave it 110%. And I played baseball for many years since I was a young kid. And played soccer, football. Baseball was my thing. And I always, liked, I always wore two wristbands, you know, because of the sweat. And I just would, with those shirts, you had nothing to always put sweat on. But I think when you, I think when you put that sweatband, I was like, "Fuck yeah!" I was like, "I'm going with the sweatband so I can wipe some of this sweat off." If I could have wore two, I would have. But you know, <laughs> you know, I don't care how many times you'd wipe your face on your shoulder, man, with that fucking nylon, that shitty ass material. Sometimes he used to buy us. So and, what's uh, crazy? So hey, Kyoto, what's crazy is that it was not a, um, 
it was not for me, even though it seemed as though. Right. It was a pimp thing, like a fucking show, like I'm fucking, you know, Michael Jordan kind of thing. Oh, okay, gotcha. What it was for me, why I originated was because my mom had gotten cancer. Oh. And I was really scared she was going to die. And right. my mom's still here to this day, by the God way. God bless. God bless. And just got her last, um, she just got it last week that she's still cancer free. Awesome. Um, awesome, man. And it was because I put that wristband on because I wanted her to know that that was the times I was thinking about her while I was doing work okay. is how that originated. That's awesome. And, no, 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 no. And, and it's not to make you feel bad. It, no, it, no, yeah. no. And to this day, I have referees that will call or text or reach out and say, right. do I need to ask you or Mike permission to wear the wristband and i said and my simple answer is this my simple answer is this you can ask either fucking one of us if you want i don't give a fuck right. but here's my thing i did it for a fucking reason right not for a a pimp, but yeah not for some like kind of pimp thing right. it was really for my mom and i mean right. you know and i really took it serious when i went to impact wrestling when it was uh uh breast cancer month i would wear a right. pink one you know right. for my mom so anyway i you know no, that's awesome. I mean, you know what? There was always, you know, what I did, you know, in the ring and stuff to say hello to my mom and say hello to my sisters. And or when I was in a relationship, I used to always grab my ear on TV. So I, I knew the camera was on us. And I used to always like mess with my ear, just grab my ear mm-hmm. or wipe my like. And I was saying hello and saying love you guys on TV. So it was kind of a thing. If I grabbed my ear, you know, then my mom and my sisters or my, you know, girlfriend or fiance at the time oh my god i seen it i seen you grab your ear that was for me right i'm like yeah it was for you (laughs) you know all right so kyoto you're gonna give me one up then i get one up that something you did like that i did what's that wear the wristband oh yeah okay i'd say you're the one who started the wristband okay yeah no i'm serious (laughs) no that's why i said you were i think that's what i'm thinking you were i love you Yeah, I love you too, brother. It's all good, man. You know, I mean, you know, it's just, uh, it, it's, it's, it sucks. I think like probably me, you, and Jimmy, we can have probably like a, a referee seminar and go around the country or go around the world and have seminars. On, mm. on there ain't enough money. Training. There ain't enough money they can pay us, dude. Yeah, right. right. I know. <laughs> No, I know. So, I, I, I here's, you, the, here's the other problem. There. Will these, will these young referees listen? No, they won't. They, they'll have to if we're getting paid for that, and they don't listen. That's on them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fucking. That's on them if they don't want to soak up the, you know, soak it up. So, uh, so, so, so we have more questions, Kyoto. Yeah, go ahead. Do we? No, I'm saying, do we want to bury anybody? Let's bury some people. What <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you was? I think we're up to like six or seven on the Chimel count. So why not? Uh, well, he's buried enough weekly on our show. Jimmel's oh, right. buries himself, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, so thoughts on your name being chanted in the crowd on Raw after WrestleMania is what Man. Brian – oh, my God. Hold on. I don't even know how to explain this name. Uh, I, I, I'm just going to wing it. Hurley. Hurley with a crazy spelling. He want to know how – you know, what, what, what you thought. After your name was Shannon, basically. 
man, it was, it was, it was fucking phenomenal. I mean, here we are, we're in fucking Jersey. We're in continental airlines arena in Jersey coming off of WrestleMania. You still got the European crowd. Now, when that European crowd puts out a chant, it usually sticks, you know, and I'm, I remember I'm doing Randy Orton and Sheamus, their, their match. And, it's two baby faces, really. And I don't think anybody gave a fuck about the match because it was like two baby faces. And I remember fucking, they started chanting some names and then they go right to my name and they start chanting Mike Yoda. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm sitting there going, holy shit. And Randy's getting fucking hot. He's like, fuck, I knew they should have put the fucking two baby faces together. They don't give two shits about this match. And I'm like, holy shit. And he's looking at me going, He's smiling and grinning, going, they're fucking chanting your name during my fucking match. He's looking at me, and I'm looking at him going, fuck, I want to jump up to the second rope and fucking acknowledge these motherfuckers, Randy. (laughs) 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 He's like, go ahead. I'm like, fuck no. I mean, I didn't play to the crowd one time. Did I want to? Fuck yeah. Do I think these referees these days will do it? Yeah, they probably run up to the fucking third rope and go... Uh, yeah it's me you know but man did i want to acknowledge a crowd no it's so hard not to but because of that crowd i still get that fucking chant today which i want to thank that european crowd and i was sitting, sitting there going wait a minute yeah they're chanting my name because i'm in jersey i'm from bayonne jersey right down the street down by J- jersey city bayonne new jersey i'm right there that's why they're chanting my name and i'm like holy fuck wait a minute most of this crowd is fucking European. They've come from everywhere around the world from WrestleMania. It's the leftover from WrestleMania. I'm like, wait a minute. This ain't a Jersey crowd. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, it felt great. Awesome. And that's, it was awesome. So I want to I I say this, too. Another story. Go back to stories. Because yep. they're always fun. Yeah. So I remember, and, and, and this is not negative. It's going to sound negative but it'll right. end up being exactly the way it's supposed to be. Gotcha. But I remember we would do house shows, house shows after house shows after house shows. Right. And the main event referee for all these house shows was Brian Hepburn. Right. So he would do the Eddie Guerrero versus whoever it may be. He would do the Brock Lesnar's versus whoever it be. Mm-hmm. And it would come to pay-per-view time. And all of a sudden, the guy that worked the match the most wouldn't do the match. It'd be Kyoto. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> he's laughing and giggling because he knows where I'm going. Right. But it's okay. This is a lesson learned. Because he would say, I'm dipping, bro. No. I'm out of here. No, I was still doing ring crew then. No, you were getting that car that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah. You were out. <laughs> that was Maybe. yeah, that was after ring crew. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. But and you know what? You know where I done. learned that from, right? Do what? You know where I learned that from, right? Probably Chimmel. No. No, Chimmel oh, had no Joey. choice. He had to stick around. Not no, not Joe. Earl and Dave. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> great. So I got, I got, so you, you just fed it on me. All right. <laughs> you know, got to pass the buck there. You know, I mean, hey, I was learned from the best. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I would, I would, I would craft my art. 
and fucking just do all the things for the main <laughs> event and just just whatever. My point being this. Yes, I did more main events on house shows than, than Kyoto did. <laughs> Probably. Because <laughs> this motherfucker was out. He was gone. <laughs> but I will say this. Actually, that made me a better referee. Nah, yeah, well, and I will honestly say, you were making me earn my stripes because I was green. And I was in the business after all this happened and right. did the same fucking thing right and the right. reason why is because he needs the experience more than i did right so your thought process i would think would be that i needed the experience more than you did and it's time for you to go well, and it's okay i get I, it i want to say a little bit that is true but i want to see the most part is true because i knew you were good enough and if you didn't, if you weren't good enough and you fucked up the main events, who do you think that he would have came back on? Probably myself. Oh, it would have came to you, for sure. But yeah. I knew you were a damn good referee. Even though you were a little still maybe green at sometimes, um, but still you were a damn good referee. So, I mean, and you never fucked up any matches. So it never came, but you know, never came but, back. Uh, you know what I did do? Let me tell you the quick story real quick. Hold on, Jimmy. Mm -hmm. Keep that thought. No, no, mind. no, no. So I'm with TVs. I'm traveling with Danny Danilo, right? Danny Danilo's got a lot of fucking heat from Billy Kidman all the time. And fucking whatever, young Italian kid. And he's been in the business for a while. He was a wrestler. And he, he you know, transitioned to a referee quite a while ago. And uh, so I remember I got out of the dark match because I had a red eye to catch. So I didn't do the dark match. And who do I let doing it? Danny Danilo. Well, fucking Billy Kidman calls me and somebody, you know, whatever. You got fucking heat. What the fuck? Don't ever let that fucking Danilo do a dark match again. I'm like, what the fuck happened? He's like, he super kicked the talent in the fucking ring at the end of the match. I'm like, what? He did what? Who, who is this? He took his shirt off or something. He took his shirt off and then he super oh. kicked the fucking talent and he covered it. I'm like, he did fucking what? I'm like, I'm trying to call this motherfucker after I hung up with Billy and he's not answering his phone. I'm like, answer your fucking phone, you know. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, well, he finally, I finally get all. I'm like, why the fuck would you super kick a fucking talent? Would you? Are you fucking kidding me? And he's like, he's like, Kiki. He was like, I'm sorry, man. He was like, they told me to do it. I said, so if they told you to jump off a fucking bridge, would you jump off a fucking bridge? He's like, probably. I'm like, yeah, I would too, probably. But anyway, <laughs> why the fuck would you super kick the motherfucker? Are you kidding me? He was like, well, it was a dark match. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck if it's a light match, you know, in the sun. Jesus Christ. And, you know, but, um, yeah, he got heat, but he's still working here. So, I mean, yeah. gone. <laughs> so what do I know? Yeah. How do you top that story? <laughs> right. But that goes with uh, that right there. What are you going to say, Jimmy? No, I was just, no, I, I, I was just going to say that, 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 that this, like like everything else, you learn from the best, and and that's what we did. And we were blessed to to have some great teachers back in the day to learn from. And 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 uh, you know, I I credit them with everything that I was able to accomplish. Mm. And so, I credit you guys as well, you guys right. like you and Brian, because you know when we worked together, we really worked together. No, we did. We were a that's team. Right. You know what I mean? And that's right back at I, you. We didn't. I don't think there was that animosity. Uh, like when Brian was talking about, you know, he did all the main events on the house shows, but you did them at the pay-per-views. And the, uh, we just, we did our things. I know. You know, you know what amazes me? 
quick question to you too, guys. What was your favorite era? 80, 90s attitude era? Or I mean, my, my personally was was the attitude era because it was right, absolutely amazing. Yeah, me too. Yeah. What about you, Tony? Uh, yeah. Obviously, you know, obviously being there for, for the Hulk Hogan era and mm -hmm. with Andre and 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 Warrior True. and all yep. that stuff was was tremendous. Yeah. Right. But we there was a time there when we had Austin Rock, Cena, oh, and, and oh my goodness, it, it just Everything just gelled. Yeah, that's another I, match. Yeah, I know Austin and Rock. I did that match, and your dad and then uh, Earl mm -hmm. took over a little while later. I I got the chair shot in the head, boy. That rang yeah. my bell for fucking three days. But uh, yeah. did he rail you? Did he rail yeah. you? Oh, oh I yeah. told him. I said, man, you know, as a, as a referee, what are you going to do? You see these guys taking crazy bumps, get the shit beat out of them with chair shots and everything. You can never say, don't bring it on your one right. fucking itchy bitchy bump. A referee's got to take. I always told him to bring it, man. I didn't give a fuck if I got gassed open or whatever, you know. And it was in Philadelphia, so I was like, "Hey, bring it." Well, he brought he brought it, all right. I think I think uh, Yaten's standing up with a pencil in his mouth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you yeah. know, you know, you know what 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 what's crazy? And Kyoto, you're so right, dude. It's like we have to be able to just do what we got to do, right? Like. In other words, if it fucking hurts, it hurts. I mean, it, it's just got to be that way. Yeah. I mean, because mm -hmm. if we don't, then then we're the one that gets the heat. You know what I mean? No, you're right. Exactly. I, I've been going around the world on different podcasts telling people the hardest bump I've ever took was by, you know, The Undertaker. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, recently, Josh Matthews, I mean, Josh, not Matthews, Jesus Christ, Josh Alexander. Alexander. Mm -hmm. Josh, Josh Matthews couldn't give me a bump like that. But anyway, um, <laughs> Josh Matthews cleaned my fucking oh, clock. Alexander. <laughs> Alexander. Think, Matthews works in the TV truck now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, I, I'll clean his clock. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Josh Alexander cleaned my clock. I mean, right. I mean, it was just, and I told him, and, I, yeah. and I'm like, you. I told him, I said, just bring it, dude. Just bring yeah. it. It was yeah. a big event, and, and and guess what? You know that shit takes tolls on us, man. You know, yeah. and yeah. it's it's no. crazy how we just are able to to say to ourselves, "We give our bodies up to you, fuck us up if you want to," but you know, yeah. we'll, we'll figure it out yeah. tomorrow. But yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, because you know, all the crazy shit that they do to each other, and if you got a bitch about one bump, how would you feel? Like you're not part of the team, like you know, what are you gonna say? I'm not taking that bump. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, when you get done rock hitting fucking Mick Foley over the head at a steel chair 13 times or something, 11 times. with, And I mean, he bought those shots every fucking time or Mick Foley going through the cage or off the cage, hell in the cell. I'm not going to take that super kick or I'm not going to. I've heard some referees say in the last so many years, I've heard a referee say, I'm not taking that bump. I'm like. I'd like, oh, I like okay. The, You're ribbon, like right? And he's still there. And he's still there. No way. Oh yeah. Who is oh, it? Amazing. Uh, you know, I don't want to bury the kid. It's kind. Of, it's yeah. I hear you. It's it, it's kind of like uh, with referees out there who have a tell on false finishes. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, everybody says what? What? What are they? And somebody, I, no, I'm not going to say it because then people will. Uh, I've told these guys a story at, at WrestleMania, at, not WrestleMania, at, at SummerSlam here in 2019. Uh, the producer of the show we used to do up here called Aftermath, 
we were watching a match in the ring and he thought that a bunch of false finishes were the finish. He says, boy, they got me there. And I was like, no, no. And he yeah. says, how do you know it's not the finish? You know, the I said, no, I don't know what the finish is, but I could tell because the referee has a tell. Mm-hmm. He says, what's the tell? And I said, I don't want to tell you. He says, oh, come on. He's the producer of our show. I said, okay. So I told him, he says, I can't unsee it now. Yeah, yeah. That's why I don't. I like, I'd like to know. I'd like to know who that pussy fucking was that didn't fucking want to take a bump. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was amazing. Would, when we go off the air, you're telling us. <laughs> but, but and what's what's even fucking worse is when I when I took that bump not too long after that. I took that same bump. I tore my rotator cuff, and then I get fired six months later. <laughs> I got surgery, and I get. I'm like thinking, motherfucker, should I have said? Don't take that fucking bump. <laughs> That's crazy. Myself. You got to. Are you being dead serious me. right now? I'm dead serious. Yeah, I, yeah. When I moved, because in 2019, what was the bump? What was, right, hold on, hold on. What was the bump? It was. Do you want to be? You, the referee goes down to count one, two. You put your feet out to the ropes, and you fucking you get pulled out to the to the floor. That's well, all it is. Times. Yeah, done a thousand yeah. times. You usually yeah. take a belly bump, but right. I didn't take a belly bump. I got twisted up the way he pulled me twisted up i landed on my shoulder but then i kept working for another month or two and i did two gauntlet matches like the what week or two following and i knew i had i had pain which i went to the trainers and all that a little bit of soreness yeah. they said ah oh, you just tweaked it and this and that but i actually tore some things my bicep or something else and no i tore my my lum- labrum and then tore my uh rotator Lever. cuff mm-hmm. and then Weeks later, with the gauntlet matches, the hour-long matches, I tore two biceps in the oh, same wow. one. So in the same, you know. Uh, so that's what, and I had to get surgery with Dugas in Alabama okay. and all that. Wow, so, that's, that's horrible, bro. And I know you don't want to give out names, but can you at least tell us if uh, he wears an extra schmedium ref shirt? It's tight. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's real tight. That's a good just, way to just had it. a just had a feeling. That's all. And I, and I love I, the kid. I, I love him. I see him here in Tampa a lot too. So I, I don't need to know. I'll just say yeah. this, pussy. Jimmy knows. Jimmy knows. <laughs> <laughs> he knows. Yep, it's extra tight. Um, I, you know, and my thing is too, Jimmy, and, and especially with, you know you growing up in the business in in the eighties and nineties, Brian. Um, I don't know how wrestlers did their character so well and how, how they became such great, phenomenal workers with all the talent that we've been through because there was no fucking training. I mean, there was the dungeon, okay? There was the dungeon. There were some other training facilities that a lot of guys have went through, which was phenomenal. But to me, it was just like these guys were born with fucking character, born with this. I mean, the way they did their character they didn't you didn't have to rehearse Shawn michaels being Shawn michaels going out to the fucking ring you didn't have to rehearse hulk hogan or rehearse this one or rehearse this 10 times these days you got to rehearse all this talent i just don't know what it is like a lot of this talent just knew everything i mean now you guys got going to school for six months to a year some guys are in school for two or three four years i just didn't know i it always amazed me how in the 80s and 90s 70s 80s 90s early 2000s where these guys that came into the business were just fucking born talent and especially the you know and you understand when the guys that came from the second or third generation because they grew up with it with their father being a wrestler or the brother or somebody but those guys back then a lot of guys were not second generation wrestlers you know no you're right amazing 
So to last la- you to close up shop here tonight, Mike, thank you so much for, you know, taking time out of your busy schedule for, for the show today. Um, it's a pleasure, man. Thank obviously you, you got, you got your show over there on ad free shows, just plug everything you got coming up, uh, ways people can get a hold of you and, uh, whatnot. Yeah. I got the beach coming up next week. That's it. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, <laughs> nothing wrong with you that. Catch, <laughs> you can catch the Monday mailbag, uh, every other week, you know, on ad free shows. Uh, with Paulie B and Mike C, you know, Paulie, Paul Brownwell does a great job for me. He's helped me out tremendously doing podcasts because I was so green to the podcast, you know, podcast industry. Um, it's worked out pretty well for two and a half years now with me, with Ad Free and Conrad Thompson. Um, my Twitter's at, at you know, at MJC Kyoto. Um, just getting back on Facebook and Twitter. I'll be coming out with my new website, uh, MikeKyoto.com. That's that's going to be releasing within the next uh, few weeks to a month, and um, got some action figures coming out by Figure Collections that they should be on the way in another month or two, and um, just got some you know got some signings and just get keeping busy and just doing my thing. That's it, and awesome. I will be at the beach next week too. <laughs> Even more awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Got to work man. on that ten, bro. <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm a little pal right now. I'm just taking a wife. We were supposed to go for a birthday. Uh, we got back from Houston um, for a birthday to, but I postponed it to uh, next Monday. So taking off to Amelia Island in Florida for about four days, five days. That's awesome. Um, and um, I do, I do want to put out this. Um, you designed a beautiful, beautiful wrestling shirt for me. Oh yeah. Was, you like it? I do like it a lot. And then um, there was pictures and things that were posted. It was awesome. Not it was totally. awesome. And that was, it was totally you, and I did pay you, motherfucker. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, and Brian, like, uh, you know, and Jimmy, I think, you know, if you're ever doing any events out there, you know, like, uh, there's a woman that makes my patches, man. She makes the stitched on patches. Like, she does a phenomenal job, and, I, you know, I'm getting them all made up for my website. Um, you know, they're going to be uh, the MC patch on the shoulders, on the, you know, sleeves. Uh, and then, you know, of course, the chest, it's the MC patch in, in a raw color. And then there'll be the MC patches in the SmackDown colors. Um, you know, I'll be selling them on my uh, website coming up soon. And, uh, you know, I mean, those patches are pretty cool. I mean, we can't really do anything else besides unless you're working for a company at NWA or, you know, TNA or somebody or whatever. So, but, um, yeah, that's that's another thing, man, with the shirts. AEW's got to come up with some new shirts. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Do, do, hey, hey uh, Kyoto, real quick. Do you, do you ever watch Impact Wrestling? Yes, I do watch it once in a while. Yes. Do you? Yep. I, I, sure do. I actually think that they, in my opinion, have more quality refereeing going on than yeah. the major. Yeah. And who's the guy with the sleeves? He wears. Uh, uh, Daniel Spencer. He's pretty good, too. He's pretty good. Well, I trained him. Okay, that's that's why. That's there awesome. You there you go. Yeah, yeah. I trained him, and uh, he's doing well. He's still doing things. I text him all the time. I'm like, dude, stop doing this. Stop doing that. You know right, what I mean? Like, right, right, right. It never no, stops. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. Any other questions, RJ? No, we're good to go. Unless no Jimmy has something. Yeah, Jimmy. No, what you got? No, I, that, this is great. Uh, and you know what? If I do have any questions. We'll save him for another time because it'd be great having you back on, Mikey. Yeah. This, this was oh, awesome. 
I would love to be back on, guys. You know, maybe one night we could just uh, sit and watch maybe an AEW show or WWE, maybe just uh, critique these refs, man. It would be nice to do a live wow. podcast. That would be mm-hmm. a long show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we, wouldn't get, we wouldn't get to the next match. Well, uh, yeah, maybe we could record it now. We should do it live, but, I mean, that'd be cool. <laughs> we're doing a watch-along. I think that watch along. Yeah. yeah, it's like a watch along. Do a watch along. Yeah, yeah. Critique it, man. You know? There you go. I mean, hey, if fucking Peyton Manning and his brother Eli Manning can do one on Monday Night uh, Football, I'm sure we could do AEW or WWE one night. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Hey, Kyoto. We had to Kyoto, we had the longest ref and rant. Or that's I'm sorry. Ref and that review. Was, no, I, well, I'm trying to put Jimmy over too. Relax. Well, I can put Jimmy over too. Come on. I'm going to fire you. Okay. <laughs> but we had the longest ref and review that we've ever had. And I'm only one, two, three, four, five. I'm five beers in. <laughs> yeah. Not well, good. I think, that, I think that's a record too, uh, Brian. Here goes, here goes number six. Well, I'm going to go there hit my go. vodka and tonic here in a little bit. That's for sure. There you go, brother. There you go, brother. That's it, man. No, uh, hey, guys, I'd love to do something else with you guys, man. It'd be great, Jimmy, you know, Brian, RJ. You know, if we could do come up with something where we could do a, a watch along or something where we could have some fun and let it we'll rip. It out, man. We Why definitely not? will. Fuck yeah. it. And I, I, mean, hey. I think we could do a definitely a part two. I mean, I definitely do. Um, no great. doubt. I mean, we got we got so many stories, man. Mm. I mean, you yeah. think about what we what we what we said tonight is amazing. Right. I mean, like Jimmy, you and me. Doing we got all so many major we got, events. We, we got so many more wow. stories and so many more oh, things to go over. Um, it's yeah. it's just hard to fit all the years that we spend in the business to fit it in one or two hours, even in a show. You know, it's just hard to yeah. fit. Absolutely. You know, some guys say, "Well, you do my podcast. It's thirty minutes long. I want to talk about your career." I said, "Well, you fucking ain't going to talk about my career in thirty fucking minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Something else, <laughs> right? You know." But um, it's hard to get a lot of stuff in, man. There's though there's always like I'll 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 probably come off these headsets in a minute here or two and go, fuck, I wish we would have talked about that. Fuck, I wish we would have talked about that. Yeah, yes, yeah. I do that all the time. So yep. I do that all the time. And you know, it's weird because you know, just think about all the days and all the years we were on the road, right? I always I always think to myself, the one thing I want to fucking know is how much can a brain actually remember? How much can your brain actually fucking store and remember all the shit? that we've done, you know, because people come up to me and say, Hey, remember this Europe tour when you did this and you did that? And I'm like, fuck, no, I don't remember that. Oh, you're mm-hmm. fucking fucking, you were too much. You did this and did that. I'm like, mm. Oh fuck. All right. We'll just keep that all social well, media. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only way you can do that is if you're a woman, women remember everything, everything, right? Everything. <laughs> they do. They do. Yeah. They do. We you can't can, remember shit. You can they do a everything. thousand things good, but if you do one fucking thing wrong, they remember that the most. Yes, <laughs> you're absolutely right. k brother. Jimmy, how is your wife, by the way? <laughs> She's good. She's good. It's That's the truth. Awesome. It's awesome. How, how many years have you been married be now? Uh, since 99, September 99. So, God bless. Uh, good okay. for you. We're, we're going right. up on 24 this year, and uh, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I owe kick my coverage. Right. All right, man. That's awesome, man. That's that's all the best of luck and good health to you and your marriage, man. For the rest well, thank of you, buddy. It's awesome to hear that. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mike. We really do appreciate it. And we'll definitely, uh, we'll be in touch definitely to get you on again, do maybe to watch along or something. Sounds good, man. You got it. Thank you, RJ. Awesome. Brian, thank you. thank you, brother. One love. Jimmy, one love, man. You thank got you, it. Bro. Love you, bro. All right, man.